Warning, this podcast was produced by two men who still think that swearing is both big and clever. As a result, it contains quite a lot of it. Therefore, this podcast is not suitable for children, unless they're really fucking cool children. Yes, yes, people. After a sizable pause, we are back again with another episode of Pop Collaborate. And listen, my name is Dave Fensom. As always, I'm joined by my main man, Mr. Chris DeGrip. What's up, everybody? Yeah, so um, yeah, I, I guess I should explain why there's been the delay. It's because we had our 100th episode, yep. 101 episodes. Yep. We did a couple of specials. We got absolutely fucked and we've just recovered. <laughs> that's it that's, that's like, pretty much it we did so much ketamine no we, yeah. did, we didn't know we've just been busy man that's that's basically yeah. how it works Chris has been in Belfast I went to Belfast for a little while I uh, saw the family how does it work though when you see your family in Belfast how do you recognise them is it they wear different coloured balaclavas or oh I see right yeah no we've yeah. got little name badges little name badges yeah, of course fair, it is, yeah. Enough, fair enough <laughs> I'll tell you what man you're joking about uh, the stereotypes when I was over in Belfast yeah. um, I met up with uh, my cousin I got a couple of twin cousins over there and one of them was visiting at the same time and he was like oh i'm coming over on the thursday and i'm going straight down to this pub uh, where there's going to be an a uh, folk session oh, do you good. fancy coming and i was like that's going to be the worst thing i ever went to yeah. but i was like fuck it i want to hang out like, yeah i'll have a couple of beers with you. i'll probably head off quite soon yeah and i said the whole night it was great oh, really? it was fucking brilliant yeah <laughs> were, there, were there people playing instruments with only one string and stuff no, like that? the thing is it wasn't i assumed it was going to be proper fiddly diddly d and right. borons and uh you know bagpipe sort of shit it was a load of people his age which is like late 20s yeah playing some traditional folk yeah. Uh, but also playing, you know, some Frank Turner or these okay. kind of up-to-date folk songs. A lot of really miserable songs about uh, how their love left them, that sort of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah, on, yeah. like, a standard guitar, there was a banjo, fair enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was just really cool. <laughs> it was dead nice. Have you, have you noticed a correlation between people that fl- play folk music whose partners leave them? What, have you thought that mm. wh- why they're going? Yeah. Is it the folk music? That's it, always. Always. It's always folk music. But yeah, no, so yeah, I've, I did that as well. That was good fun. Whereas I, I've been raising a two-year-old. I, in, yeah. in, I think since the last time we spoke, I've potty trained a two-year-old. Oh, shit. Nicely done. Yeah, yeah. You're on. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Just a random oh, one, good. man. I, I, I thought I'd get the practice in. <laughs> Uh, no, right. yeah, no, no, she, she's been potty trained, which meant the other day when she shat herself deliberately as a revenge attack, what? it was calculated. Oh, my God. Yeah, is, is that That's a thing. I, yeah, I mean, I didn't realise it was a thing, but oh she like, looked me dead in the eye. <laughs> looked me dead in the eye and shat herself, like, you're cleaning that up, dickhead. Wow. And I was like, ah. Yes, well, yeah, yes, I, I am, yeah. I, yeah, fair enough. I, I, I mean, if What's I, I, I realised that was an option, I would have tried it in relationships. Fucking brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, well done. Well done, everyone involved there, I guess. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, cool. yeah. I mean, the other thing I have been doing is listening to this Pink Floyd album quite a lot. Past uh, couple of weeks. Oh yes. yeah, yeah. I've li- I've listened to it. Uh, yeah, I've I've listened to it exactly the, the required amount <laughs> yeah. of times. Yeah. Now what we so this week we are this episode we are doing Pink Floyd's The Division Bell, uh, which is their 1994 album came out April 3rd 1994 and was at number one for four weeks. 
So yes, this it is was. this is a long old yeah. uh, time. I mean, you know, you couldn't miss this album. Yeah, it was, it was a ride. I mean, uh, are you a Pink Floyd fan, Chris? Um, I am a Pink Floyd like skimming the top. Absolutely. I it, it was in the house whenever I was growing up. My mum mm-hmm. loved some Pink Floyd, um, so it was there. It was never one of the the big bands that was played. Sure. And by the time I was, yeah, you know, seventeen, eighteen, I did have some friends in school who were getting into Pink Floyd because, you know, that's what some 17, 18-year-olds yeah. do. They get into Floyd and they get into the doors or whatever. Uh, uh, but at that point, I wasn't interested because it wasn't punchy enough for me. Mm-hmm. I was, the, of the kind of those classic rock things, I was very happy to listen to some Hendrix and some Zeppelin and some Sabbath. Yeah. But Floyd was a little bit too noodly for me. And so I was like, nah, that's not my thing. Yeah, and we were very much, I guess, coming up in that era as well where if you were reading The Enemy or The Melody Maker... You know, they were kind of talking about prog as if it was paedophilia. Well, isn't it? Yeah, you know. it, it, yeah, it you wasn't know, cool. God, God bless the pistols for coming and washing all that away. Sure. Know? And yeah, I mean, I mean, I've got to say, I wasn't an enormous Pink Floyd fan. Mm-hmm. I've, you know, dude, I was a stoner in the nineties, so I've heard Pink Floyd. You, records. Absolutely. You, it'll, you'll have been in rooms where Dark Side of the Moon was yeah, on. Yeah, and I, you know, and I, I enjoy those records, but I've never owned one, for example. Okay, sure. I've never even had like my own copy. Like I never had a taped copy of nah. Dark Side of the Moon or anything. So I, I've heard it and I've mm-hmm. gone, oh, I like this, but I've never felt the need to walk away and be like, this is going to become okay. my thing. I mean, I, I know my friend Darren had this record and the live record. Pulse. So I would have heard those quite a few times. Okay, I sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember this record coming out because it came with the fanfare of the music industry pushing out one of its great war horses. Well, absolutely. And this was this was the first one that Pink Floyd had released in like seven years. The previous yeah. one had been 1987. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is their 14th album overall, and it's kind of, there'd been a, a thing for nearly 30 years by the point this was released. It's 465, yeah. this comes out in 94. And so they were one of the huge in the, the, the 70s and 80s, they kind of did die off a bit in the mid-80s because Roger Waters left the yeah. band. Uh, one of the four, the founder members, uh, and so they released an album in '87, which was the first without him. This was the second without him. Yeah, and so it was kind of a a secondary stage Pink Floyd, but there was still a lot of uh, hype and a lot of hope for it because mm-hmm. uh, they were still a massive band. You know, this is a band who is they they have the third biggest selling album in the world. Absolutely, no, yeah. They're, 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 you cannot discount Pink Floyd ever. Yeah, I mean, I think if you were trying to talk Pink Floyd, you know, to like a twenty-year-old now, mm-hmm. it would probably be quite difficult for them to comprehend quite the scale. Yeah, sure. Of this band, because you know they were they were Taylor Swift on fucking oh sure. yeah, you know, I mean on high octane petrol. You know, they were ubiquitous. You couldn't. You know, I mean, how many weeks? Can you remember how many weeks it was? Oh, it was something like a hundred and forty weeks. Uh, in a row in the charts in the US, but it was like more than that, it, having gone in and out. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, if you do, if you think of it in terms of these days, whenever various bands are breaking streaming records, mm-hmm. you know, here and there, Queen, I think, just got uh, they reached the billion streams. Yeah, these are the the landmarks that you can go on uh, these days. But before, oh, Pink Floyd are just a behemoth that can't be stopped, and everything else is. 
secondary. Absolutely. So yeah, as you say, so we've got some personnel changes. This is not yeah. this is not the classic this is not the classic Pink Floyd lineup at yeah. all. Obviously, uh, you've not got Sid Barrett for for, well, for some many years. Well, indeed, yeah. I mean, this was the original lineup. You're looking at Sid Barrett, Nick Mason, Roger Waters, and Richard Wright. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave Gilmore was brought in like uh, about a year or two after the first album, yeah. um, because Sid Barrett was already going a bit mad, mm-hmm. and they needed someone else to to be more of a kind of a solid foundation. Sure. Then Sid Barrett went absolutely mad and had to leave. And so the, the kind of the, the classic 70s incarnation of Pink Floyd is Dave Gilmore, Roger Waters. Absolutely. And so those are the, the two linchpins. Now we're at the point where Roger's gone mm-hmm. and uh, it, it's it's a different incarnation. But is it still Pink Floyd? According to Roger Waters, not legally. But, <laughs> it, you know, it still sounds like some Pink Floyd, you know? Yeah, guitar tone-wise, you're there. Sure. Anyway, so look, as always, we start off with this album cover. Right, yes, okay. And this, yeah, this is a, a kind of a distinctive album cover for sure. I mean, this is an enormous sculpture mm-hmm. that they had commissioned mm-hmm. that was built in the field of an aircraft hangar or some shit like that. I yeah, somewhere near Cambridgeshire. Yeah, where they, they exactly. They, they, they photographed it in February for optimal lighting conditions. Yes, they did. According to it does look Wikipedia. nice. Basically, you've got two stone statues facing each other mm-hmm. uh, in the middle of that in the negative space there is a third face precisely yes okay. indeed so it's it's a not not like an illusion or anything but it's a nice little trick that they're yeah. they're showing it looks expensive oh i imagine it was hugely expensive yeah, it's you know i'm sure it's very clever it's i guess it's fine I, it's all right i don't yeah. care really no not at all um it was done by a guy called storm thorgerson of course it was uh, who and he had done loads and loads of Pink acid. Floyd's acid. <laughs> <laughs> loads and loads of acid and he'd done plenty of Pink Floyd artwork previous to this he did the the classic The Burning Man on Wish You Were Here yeah. that's Guy on Fire he did the Battersea Power Station and the Pig yeah. for Animals and he did Dark Side of the Moon those yeah. are all his covers as well as being a founding member of the Avengers Storm oh, Thorn yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes uh, so he's got form for doing classic covers sure. I don't think this is a classic cover no this is not a classic no. cover it's, it does, it's not up there with those other ones whenever you look at how kind of evocative and memorable these ones are. This one's this one's third tier for me on that. Do you think that's? Don't want to foreshadow too mm-hmm. much, but if you're drawing art from the body of work, then perhaps that's indicative of the body of work having well it, it, less to say. Well, true, and also like you say, you know, he was doing stuff from the late sixties. This is now the mid nineties. Mm-hmm. He is therefore, let's say, conservatively, I don't know, in his. 50s at this point you're not going to be doing the same crazy uh inventive stuff that you were doing when you were 20 excuse me i'm uh, i'm in my late 40s oh, right, and sorry, i yes. think you'll find from this podcast that i'm still very much a wild card in your prime yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely and, and, this, yeah, uh, so, and any creaking you can hear on the mic <laughs> is definitely not my chance uh this guy is storm thorgerson as well he's done loads of stuff for other bands um the ones i picked out he did audio slaves album Oh, okay. uh, he did totally see that now. You said no, exactly. That, yeah. Honestly, now that I'd thought of it, mm. or now that now I looked at what else it does, the ones that I have picked out here, you go, oh yeah, of course. So, Audio Slave. Yeah. He did a couple of the Muse ones in the two thousands. Yeah. He did uh, a, about three or four of the Biffy Clyro ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he did also he did it like some of the seventies Led Zeppelin. He did uh, the Mars Volta kind of ones. Oh, okay. And similar, you can see that the, the styles. Catherine Wheel, loads of others. ACDC. Mm. He did a load of different bands, but he's known primarily for being a kind of uh, an accomplice of Pink Floyd in terms of their artwork. Sure. 
So yeah, he, he's that's what that's what this is. But like you, I, I'm not particularly impressed with it. I think it, I can't not be impressed because it's two fucking massive sculptures. Yeah, that he actually did. It's not Photoshop. Two huge sculptures. I'm impressed by that. It doesn't look as impressive as I think he wanted it to. But here's the thing: I've seen that album cover loads of times, mm-hmm. and it wasn't until I had to stop and think about it that I realised that that's what it was. I kind of presumed it was a drawing up until this point. Oh, I, well, I wouldn't have been surprised if well, someone said it was just a painting. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'd, sure. uh, so, like, you know, so I mean, a lot of effort. Yeah. I could have just done a drawing. Oh, mate, it sounds like they put so much effort into the promo for this album as well. They, like, had airships um, going up with the, the details on yeah. it. Um, they had one which was see-through, apart from a, a fish on the side, which went around London. Yeah. One of them, I think, uh, got destroyed in a storm, and they sold bits of it for merch. Yeah, I mean, the, the record company went, oh. like, the, yeah, the, the full... Buck wild. The, yeah, exactly. The, it's, it's the full excesses of the 90s pre-Napster music industry yeah, oh, yeah. on show here. Yeah, this is EMI just rolling out the red carpet, taking money from all of the other bands on the label yeah. and going, well, no, this is Pink Floyd. I think you'll find that we're spending a billion pounds on this. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And, yeah, but, you know, it was number one for four weeks. It was number one for four weeks. It's, it went yeah. on to sell a lot of records. It did. It went, I mean, it, it, I mean, it's hard to compare it. You, you, you're looking at it. It's four weeks, number one. It went triple platinum. You know, it sold a ton of records, mm-hmm. but it's not Dark Side of the Moon. You know, no. it's not The Wall. No. It's not even uh, Wish You Were Here or Animals. No, but, but, I, but I doubt there's anyone that reads Classic Rock magazine that hasn't got a copy of it. Of course, yeah. Well, let's crack into it then. Let's mm-hmm. do it. I mean, it's a, it's a long album. It's an hour and six minutes long. Yes, indeed. wonder uh, why that is on only 11 songs. I, I can't imagine, mate. Maybe, maybe... Uh, they all really long or something. I, I can't imagine, mate. I mean, I, I would imagine that they've been fairly sparing with, uh, like, long guitar parts. Well, of course, you wouldn't want to overdo it. Absolutely. Anyway, okay. so the first one is called Cluster One. Cluster which One. Which is what I call my bleeding hemorrhoids. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, and this is... Well... We're starting off like this for some reason. I mean, I, don't, I can't even hear any music yet. Oh, it, it takes about fucking ten seconds to start. I right. Think. I had this as well, going. You know, oh, my speakers working. My speakers. Yeah. Oh no, they are. It's just yeah. not. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, and it's deliberately starting off with this kind of glitchy uh, sort of radio wave thing. And apparently, whenever people did put this in their CD player, a lot of people thought that there was an issue. Yeah. With either the CD or their player. Yeah. And you know, ha 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 ha. Well done, Pink Floyd. Yeah. You, you, pull, you pulled a good joke there. Yeah, japesters. Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, when it comes to Pink Floyd, what do I think of? I think of funny pranks. Yeah, that's what I think of <laughs> as well. I think of their sense of humour. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, particularly, I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously, though, you know, the main prankster of the group, Rogers Wars, long since left. <laughs> Quite. Yeah. No, known for his, his sense of humour and calm, <laughs> reasonable views. What a lark. Right, so look, it's, it starts like this. Yeah. Let's, let's not dwell too. It's, it's a kind of an ambient, dreamy guitar piece, isn't it? Yes, and whenever it started, I was going, is this a thing? Is this a definite song? And I was looking and going, oh, this is nearly six minutes long. Mm-hmm. So something must happen, surely. I know. It can't be just I, some noises. I mean, I mean, there's a guitar in it. There, a guitar does come in, that's, that's it's fair. It's pleasant enough. It's wallpaper, though, isn't it's it? It's absolutely wallpaper, yeah. And, okay, so whenever we were coming into this, what was... What did you think this album was going to sound like? What were, they, were you I, hopeful I, or fearful I, or what? I was fearful. Right. Um, I was worried it would sound like this. Right. That's what I was worried about. I was uh-huh. worried there'd be a lot of this. There'd be a lot very, very trebly, wanky guitar lines. Mm-hmm. 
and not a lot of songs and like plain, plaintive more lyrics. feel over actual tunes that sort of stuff yeah, yeah. I, I my yeah I, I I had some worries about it going in yeah I was afraid that there was going to be a lot of noodling and a mm-hmm. lot of kind of just effects that mm-hmm. are unnecessary in a lot of ways I was hoping that there would be a couple of just like big fucking massive songs because yeah. whenever I think of the big Pink Floyd songs you know money even Brick in the Wall Part 2 yeah. there, there are some great tunes there really are and so I'm not writing them off I, I think some of their softer stuff of, of metal is lovely mm-hmm. but I was kind of afraid that there was going to be just some wanking going on mm-hmm. uh, and so on. whenever I, this song started and I was like okay is it going to be an, an entire album of this is it just whale song and you know fucking whatever pure moods or whatever mm-hmm. it is I was not impressed with it at the start of this no I, I've written here this is a worrying start to the album yeah yeah this is just like, random songs or random sounds uh, there's a like I say a full minute before any instruments come yeah. in um, it, it doesn't I mean, to, to be fair Brian Eno has, has done like entire volumes of this stuff he absolutely has and I don't like them no is the thing you know that music for airport stuff I don't get that so yeah let's let's move on from this yeah I mean I, I will just tell you that uh it, it, according to an interview with the guy who recorded the recording engineer, the, the noise is it's electromagnetic noise from solar wind. Right, uh, the sound is very low frequency. Uh, it's uh, of dawn chorus radio events due to solar wind interference with the Earth's magnetosphere, and lightning strikes radio emissions interfering with the ionosphere. That's the that's the fucking place we're at. Yeah. See, look, this is the point, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, the point is, right? You you're at a dinner party. Mm. With some people that have got access to this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And they go, oh, you want to hear what this sounds like? And you're at a dinner party, you've had a couple of drinks, you go, oh, yeah, I'll hear that. You hear it, and you go, that's interesting. Mm. Then you move on with your life. Yeah, absolutely, right? never think of it again. But if you're if you're 30, out, 30 years and 14 albums in, you go, well, we were looking for some ideas. Yeah, no one telling you no. Yeah. yeah. Now, th- this, is, this is nonsense, I think. Um, it's the first... Apparently, according to Wikipedia, the first Pink Floyd song that's credited to just uh, Gilmore and Wright since one of their 1972 songs. Mm-hmm. Um, on the previous album, everything was credited solely to Gilmore or him and another non-Pink Floyd member. Yeah. But that oh, the only thing that, that makes me think is, why on earth did Richard Wright go, I want some credit on this? Yeah. This, this song here, um, no, you know, I want he, the world to know he, that he I'm want, He wanted prints and everything, though, did he? Well, have you seen this whole thing about the whole, like the the the, uh, the, the point system for getting songs yeah, on the album? Yeah, that's dirty. That's fucking hilarious. That is, yeah, exactly. They were only uh, getting money on the songs that they wrote, yeah. essentially. And so there was one album where Dave Gilmore wrote a song that was nearly the entire first side. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, but the, the point system, the, the, the point system for this, they also had a thing where um, they brought all the songs in. Mm. Like everyone that played on the record got to on a that to say from one to ten. Mm-hmm. Oh, to, that yes, yeah, from from, oh. from, from, from give us each score of one to ten. Yeah, because they they, they, they 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 came up with like thirty song ideas yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so because there were there was no rules, he gave everyone else's songs. Zero uh-huh. and all of its own ten, ten. <laughs> and it completely fucked the numbering system. Yeah, yeah, that is. I mean, it's, it's, that's hilarious. I do think that 
you know, that's partly their own fault. They made the system. Yeah. And if you're going to fucking play the system, play the system. And he obviously had a bit of like resentment after having been booted out of the band. Well, indeed, yeah, for 20-odd years. Yeah. Right, so that's that one. Yeah. I, that, I mean, I, I mean it's, it's an ignominious start, isn't it? I think that's an absolutely stupid thing to do. I think that's re- mm. really weird. I get maybe have some interesting sounds and a soundscape mm-hmm. to, to build it in. But not six minutes. Mm-hmm. Do it for thirty seconds. Do it for a minute, and then it goes into something else. Yeah, it's not my, not my, I'm, yeah, not my mm, cup of tea. No, so I don't understand that. Let's get track in, into track, track number two. Right, and here's a question for you. Again, whenever you were going into this album, mm-hmm. you were expecting some noodling, yeah, uh, some guitar solos, mm-hmm. a bit sort of weird nonsense. Yeah, were you expecting this? Sort of some sort of eighties jazz. Well, this sounds like "Have a Cigar" a bit, doesn't it? Have a cigar. You know, hey there, boy, yeah, have oh. a cigar. You're gonna go far. I mean, it just sounds like wine bar music until that yeah. guitar comes in. Well, see, the, like, yeah, I was not expecting that sort of squelchy keyboard bass. Yeah, it's it, it's very. It feels like. Like something from an erotic thriller. Yeah, exactly. It yeah. really does. Yeah, yeah. Like the Red Shoe Diaries. Yeah, I know. It's so weird. But yeah, this is so. Uh, it's called "What Do You Want from Me." Yeah, and and lyrically, that, that is quite on the nose. It's very much what. Uh, what do you want what do you from want me? me? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, if you listen through, it seems to be a lot about his uh, Dave Gilmore's mm-hmm. or Pink Floyd's, whatever you want to think. Look at it. Uh, the relationship with the fans, the yeah. fan base, and maybe critics as well, because he is—he's saying things like, uh, uh, "What do you want? Should I sing until I can't sing anymore? Play these strings till my fingers are raw? Yeah. Um, do you think that I know something you don't know? If I don't promise you the answers, would you go? Mm-hmm. You know, it's this sort of stuff. And so it's—it's it's not maybe it's not scathing, but it's pointing out it, his uh, frustration. Perhaps it's, it, it, it it's suggests a weariness. With the whole thing, and it's mm-hmm. kind of again, it kind of almost foreshadows the fact that they seemed quite aware of the fact that this was the end. Yes, but yeah, you know that that asks some questions as well. Like you know, mate, you know the whole thing of going out with a bang rather than just fucking mm. like a, a, a slow fade that out. Whimper, yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, this it's I mean, I guess it's fine. It's you know, it's full of wanky guitar blues guitars. Oh, it really is. You got like these semi so soulful female BVs. Uh-huh. And uh, I don't know about the backing vocals on this one. Um I think they are jarring. I don't think mm. they really fit the, the sound of it. Uh, maybe, maybe they fit the sound of this song because this song is a bit weird. Um but I can't imagine those sort of backing vocals in classic Pink Floyd. Yeah. You know? Um, and so it sounds a bit out of place to me. I feel like the only people, person that this song is from, and this is not, and this is transmutable to a lot of this record, right. are people that are interested very, very specifically in David Gilmore's guitar tone, sure. the things that he's doing, the settings on his amp, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. guitar nerd shit, yeah. maybe keyboard nerd shit. Uh, in terms of what the song does, what the song offers, what mood the song's supposed to do, what it's supposed to do. I kind of like it, this bit. Yeah, I mean, there's bits here and there, mm-hmm. but it doesn't ever engage me on an emotional level. No. 
or any level, really. No, I think it. I think it's fine. Like you say, it's okay. There's a couple of like, these key changey bits where it kind of was a bit more uh, kind of somber, this sort of thing. Um, th- th- there's some layered vocals in it I like, and it's only four, min- four minutes twenty. So yeah. fucking well done, everyone. But it doesn't. No, it doesn't engage me. Like you say, I, I, I wouldn't go back to this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, you know, you'd, you'd be foolish to say that this wasn't competently composed. Oh God, no, no. I, I right? bet you, you know, if you looked into it, it's, it's just, you know, it's you know, well perfect you know, in every way. It's well produced. You know, it, yeah. it's all of those. It's all of those things. Um, but it's just yeah, it's not a, any yeah. good. No, no. Um, it's not. I think it's absolutely passable. Um, yeah. There are bits in it I'm, I'm okay with, but nah. And especially these backing vocals, I don't get that nah. really. It's almost histrionic, soulful. Here, here we go again. Oh, there's not them. Um, but what I did uh, look into was the people who were doing the backing vocals, and that's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you see any of these people? Yeah. Yes. We've got uh, the one. We've got about five or six people, to be honest. But there's only a few that I've picked out to to mention. We've got Sam Brown. Yeah. Who. You know, yeah. obviously, stop is just yeah. wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's got Joe great, Brown's daughter. Yeah, brilliant voice. Uh, we've got Durga McBroom. Let's just take a minute to okay. talk about Durga McBroom's name. Durga McBroom. Because, like, you think it's right. If you, if you don't know who Durga McBroom is, mm-hmm. and you think, who's Durga McBroom? You're thinking a Scottish lady with a monobrow. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah. Durga McBroom is a, is a woman from Dumfries. Uh huh. With a old-fashioned broom, a very clean front step, yep. uh, that thinks that semi-skim milk is the devil's work. Okay, brilliant. Right? Yep. That's who she is. I like her. But she isn't, is she? No, she's the singer of Blue Pearl. Blue. Take me dancing, <laughs> naked in the rain. Yep. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Uh, and then Carol Kenyon as well, yeah. who was the voice of Heaven 17's Temptation. Yeah. Uh, and also, we we saw her on Chris Rea's Auberge album. We certainly did. A load of uh, backing vocals for him. Um, just a small disclaimer. Yes. Not Kenyon. Oh, she's not Kenyon. Okay, right. Yes, I say Carol, not. Kenyon, that's her yeah. middle name, not actually Kenyon. Yeah. 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 So, no, it's, it's interesting to see these people, uh, who, who they've got kind of with them. And I think they also were on the tour. They did the Pulse thing as well. They did yeah. the live stuff. They've all got great voices. Mm-hmm. I don't think they fit with no, this style of thing. No, I mean, they're not really doing much with them there, are they, though? No, I mean, I mean uh, Gilmore said himself that this song was pretty much a straightforward Chicago blues tune. Yeah. Um, he's got very laid-back vocals, mm-hmm. and so I think it just stands out, really kind of uh, spikes whenever mm-hmm. they come in. Yeah. Nah, not for me, that one. Not for me. Right, let's okay. move on. Let's see if, uh, if track three really changes the game. It's called Poles Apart. There's a lot of kind of melding from the last track into the next track. Yeah, I mean, there's, a, there's well. a lot of ambient guitar noise. Well, indeed. And, you know, I'm looking at this one going, oh, this is over seven minutes long, this one. I hope it's fantastic. Yeah. It's seven minutes long. It better be great. What I'm hoping for is a really exaggerated bass sound. <laughs> Are you not? <now>? Yeah. Well. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> this is Alan Partridge. Again. <laughs> Pulls apart. There's some slide guitar in here, isn't there? There is sure. some. Yep. There's some acoustic fingering up. <laughs> oh, lovely. <laughs> That's my favourite website. 
Some, I mean, got some proggy bits in it. They, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm sure there is a name for whatever scale that is. Yeah. Is it Aeolian? I do not know. Well, now that's, you're thinking that that's like garlic mayonnaise, isn't it? Oh, of course it is. Yeah. That's my bad. I mean, it's gently nice enough. I think it's really dull. But yeah, I mean, let's, that, but really it's dull as... Di- what it's I've written here is, so it's gently di- nice enough, I suppose, but yeah. it's dull as dish It honestly is. Um, it's seven minutes long. It's a song in kind of three parts lyrically. Yeah. This first verse is about Sid Barrett and him having to leave the band because he's gone mental. And it's uh, primarily about uh, Dave Gilmore's guilt in replacing him and how mm-hmm. he feels about that because he's he, he went into the band with his mate... And then his mate left and he stays, that sort of yeah. thing. So it's his guilt on that. Verse two is about Roger Waters and how his, his vitriol for the band after he left and the court cases that he mm-hmm. instigated to try and get control of the brand affected Gilmore in the 80s. So yeah. that's the second verse. And the verse three could be about one of his divorces or it could be about one or both of the, those people yeah. in one. And so there's lots going on. But Jesus Christ, right, a better so- a tune than this. Is that the, 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 the thought of standing and watching them meander through this life Oof. fills me with like a cold dread. Sure. Like, it makes my legs hurt. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. And th- we know the band can write a tune, but yeah. they've look, forgotten here. And again, you know, uh, lyrics in this song yeah. finish at five minutes and it's seven minutes long. And you've just got two minutes of... Quite uninteresting guitars. At the, oh, there's a, there's a two-minute guitar outro. Yeah. We are currently in the middle of a two-minute instrumental break. Two, oh, mi- two minutes instrumental with some circus noises thrown in and just whatever random shit because, hey, it's art. Fuck off, man. Write a better and riff. Everything at this fucking tempo. Yeah. No, right. I think this is this is a mistake. This is just horseshit. Uh, th- th- I was worried that... Uh, so, uh, some of the album would just bore me. Mm-hmm. This actively annoys me because it's offensively boring. I think. Yeah, it's 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 the me. It, it, what annoys me about it mm-hmm. is imagine, imagine that you know, the thing that you put out is going to have the audience that it does. Mm-hmm. That's going to have the resources, the fucking precious unrenewable resources thrown behind it that mm. this is and this is the level you've got to this is, it's, mm. it's it kind you know it, it is such an indescribable waste right that it's quite difficult to not be angry it's about. taking up seven minutes of an, a huge album yeah could be anything else how how many million copies of this got fucking pressed? No, oh, totally, millions and millions and millions. Yeah, no. it's you know in terms, of, mm, this is no, I just it's, it's just a bad, bad, bad song. Yeah, and, it's, and it, it it sounds like they're bored. Yeah, uh, well, it, I mean, I, I imagine Gilmore is quite happy. I think the rest of them just be fucking hell, mate. We got to play this, have we? Even whenever it's coming back in with this more kind of what he would probably consider a galloping beat because it's perked up a bit. It's like, God, it's so. Well, listen, I am made on ketamine, isn't God it? It's, yeah, terrible. Uh, let's, let's fuck this off. Okay, unless you've got anything else uh, to add to it. No, not at all. Not at all. Seven minutes of 
Shit. Wasted time. All right. Now, okay, so let's hope the next song it redeems it. Track four is called Marooned. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, what I hope this isn't... Yeah. I mean, just... Just hypothetically. Just, hypothetically, mm-hmm. I hope it's not five minutes, 29 of an instrumental mm. with like this dreamy soporific guitar mm-hmm. and a theremin well, I hope it's not that I hope I've got some very bad news for you Dave I mean I, I literally the the entire all the comments I've written about this mm-hmm. is it trundles along and then thankfully ends right sure <laughs> yeah yeah and every single playthrough that I did of this yeah. uh, but it's especially the ones where the first ones I always just play it in the background when I'm doing other stuff so it kind of seeps in before I sit down and properly yeah. listen at no point did I remember this song every time I went back to it I was like oh I don't think I've heard this one before and when I sat down and went right I need to make notes about this I'm going to investigate every bit I had no idea that this existed yeah. see look I, I when we're doing these listens to this thing yeah. right, I I will always try and do, and I don't always get it done, but I always try and do one headphones listen, uh-huh. lie down, and just listen to it, not and tr- just properly take it in. Yeah, you know, like my mind, mine will often wander and stuff like that. Yeah, but I'll try and have one where I'm, I haven't got any other input. Lovely. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. So often, if you know, sometimes that's the one that I don't get. I, I try, I tried to do it with this, mm-hmm. uh, and I fell asleep. Right, well, and yeah. that's the trick, you know. Yeah. This album, the, the 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 biggest problem I had with it was it keeping any kind of attention because yeah. this is well, how can you listen to this and go, oh, this this is really grabbing me? Yeah, this is, oh, I, what happens next? It, it's just so fucking insipid, mm-hmm. and and it's it, it it's boredom, old men's boredom. Dis- Disguised as maturity and art. Oh yeah, and you know, serious musicianship. It's like you can picture them like tight-eyed, screw their faces up, fucking. Oh god, this is so. Say, say what the fuck you like about the Rolling Stones, right? And we yeah. will have to address the Rolling Stones. At we some will point, right? later in this season, right? But at least they kept the party going. Yeah, they they did want to. Yeah, yeah. Um, I saw that stereo gum in some sort of reappraisal of this mm-hmm. album they wrote that this song stands out primarily as a song that sounds as much like Pink Floyd as anything on their mid-70s releases the song roots itself to Gilmore's familiar lonesome melodic guitar descants threading themselves through the trademark mood setting and foundation of Mason's drum work and the invaluable Wright's keyboard deviations oh fuck off stereo uh, unbelievable wank. stereo bum more what like hey, am I right hey, hey, hey. this is the sort of level we're yeah, at exactly mate I mean, the thing is right they're talking about Guitar, uh, Gilmore's guitar. Okay, yes, that's Gilmore's guitar. They're talking about the foundation of Mason's drum work. What, what drum work? Part of me. Yeah, mate, look, he he could literally go and make a drink between fucking snare Stupid. hits. Stupid. This could be, and this could be the worst drummer in the world. Yeah, yeah. Ever. I mean, like, all you, you got to do is oh, do I this. Mean, you, AI could drum this. Yeah, fuck me. Um, total wankery. And I don't know the band Seventies output well enough to comment on their thing about is it similar to that or not I don't know maybe it is but if it is then I'm saying that that whatever they're comparing it to was probably pretty dull as well yeah this bores the absolute tits off me fuck this off man this um, is the only Pink Floyd song to ever win a Grammy 
because it won for the best rock instrumental performance in 1995. I mean, the Grammys are... I mean, who can take the fucking Grammys No, seriously? they've just got a category for every single thing so everybody can win. Yeah, yeah. Best best rock instrumental performance ninety five. Um, the whole album was nominated for a Brit Award for best album, but it was beaten by Parklife. I mean, so that's where we're at. Literally, probably the only only time you will hear me <laughs> happy for Parklife yeah. winning something. Yeah, yeah. No, okay. Well, look, we are four songs into this album. I uh, there's one song. Well, to me, there's one song. I mean, mate, like, we, are we going to talk about the other, the rest of this album, or should we just go downstairs to the pub and drink? Honest to God, it's so weird. Yeah, this I I am off to a very bad start on yeah, this. I, I really did, am. I, yeah, I'm 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 nil for mm. four. Yeah, All two right. fucking uh, over eleven minutes worth of shit instrumental in the first four tracks. Yes. Are you fucking insane? Again, surely some producer or someone at EMI should have just gone. Oh. Be not. No one had the ability to override no. these, nah. did they? No, not at all. Especially- I mean, apparently, Bob Ezrin was annoyed about at the time about the uh, the lyrical input of uh, David Gilmore's girlfriend. Yeah, his fiance Polly Sampson. Yeah, she wrote a lot of the lyric or co-wrote a lot of the lyrics on this. Yeah. And I think that rankled with like the other members of the band as well mm-hmm. because it meant that she was getting writing credits and getting money for that. Yeah, yeah, but she she did all of his charts as well. And, uh, exactly. So, <laughs> yeah, you can't really... Uh, uh, you say that they didn't have the... Uh, no one had the authority to say no to these. Wright did. He could have given all of these zero points. He could have just gone, no, not, definitely not oh, that no, one. I, no, I think these are the ones that got through. Fuck's sake. Right, let's move right. this shit on. Right, okay. let's, let's do... Let's do... Um, yeah, let's do let's albums. Do, let's do the albums. We're looking at, for album, the top 10 albums, we're looking at the week where, the first week of this was number one, so April the 3rd to the 9th of 1994. Mm-hmm. We've got a few new things to, to have a look at, but not many. Number 10, D-Ream with D-Ream on volume one. Again. Was there a D-Ream no, on the, volume two? The fact that they were thinking there might be is, is kind of sad. Yeah, yeah. Number nine, M People, Elegant Slumming. Again. Mm, thank God. That, I mean, thank God. Thank God. Yep. And number eight, Enigma Cross of Changes. Had to do it. Jesus Christ. Well, this is a bad week, isn't it's, it? Oh, mate. Number seven is that Monk's Chorus Silos with Conto Gregoriano. It, what, what was the first word? Monk's. No, no. Oh, Con- Conto. Conto. Conto Gregoriano. <laughs> <laughs> that's us. We're laughing yeah. at the fact that the word sounds like a, a bit like A little bit like that. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's number seven in the charts. Oh, I've got a child. Um, okay. uh, number six is a new entry, The Beautiful South with Meow. Yeah. yeah, I don't remember. I don't there with an album called Meow. No, I mean I'm sure I know all the singles from it, but I, I don't remember that <sighs> Fucking album. Good, beautiful stuff. Uh, number five, Marvin Gaye, Best of. Number four, Mariah Carey, Music Box, which we've seen Knocking ages around, ago, still man. coming back six months later or something like mm-hmm. that. Uh, number three, Ace of Base, Happy Nation. It's down the line for us. It's it's, we're going to have to do it. Uh, number the two. The signs are all there. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> number two is another new entry. So we almost had to do this one, but we didn't. Uh, Primal Scream with Give Out But Don't Give Up. Okay, that uh, was the that was the glam rocky one, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. rock. Like yeah, exactly. It was the first one since Screamadelica, and so there was a massive you know, huge mm. swell of of you know hype for it, and everyone was gasping to hear what the new Primal Scream was. And, you know, I love Screaming Delegate. I think it's one of the best albums of, of, of that era. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was at the point when this came out that 
I realized that they are a band made by their producer. Because yeah. Screaming Delica is essentially an Andy Weather album, mm-hmm. Weather All album, and this one is George Draculius. Yeah. You know, that's what the, the Primal Scream are almost incidental exactly. in, the, in the process. And I do like some of the songs on this. Uh, I remember it coming out, being excited and being very, very quickly disappointed. Um, I think Jailbird is a good tune. I think it's got mm-hmm. a great riff. Um, I think Funky Jam is a bit of fun. It's a bit of George Clinton nonsense. But it, this was a double album, and there's not enough songs on there to make this worthwhile. I, I remember being very annoyed by this stuff when it came out. I remember uh, thinking, whenever Rocks came out as a single, I was like, oh, that is just far too Rolling Stones on the nose. I remember getting a lift into Sixth Form College with my neighbour's dad, and uh, mm. and it being on Radio 2, bizarrely. Oh, right, yeah. So it went straight so into Radio, Radio 2. 2 yeah. And this was at the height of Lamac and Wiley on yeah, Radio yeah, 1, yeah. surely. Well, okay. Uh, so there's your top ten. Not very impressive stuff. Uh, shit tons of other albums, though. Uh, M.O.P. released To The Death, and I didn't know they were going in 1994. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the first one or whatever, but uh, it was, they I were mean, around. I, was, I wasn't listening to them in 1994. Oh. I wasn't listening to them until, like, fucking anti No, that's the first sure time. That, yeah. yeah. I think that they were probably more well-known in the States. Mm. Uh, they'd been on, like, other bigger tracks over there. Uh, but no, that was new to me. The Offspring released Smash, yep. which was their breakthrough. I had that album. Mm-hmm. I listened to that album a lot. Went to see them on that tour, supported by Quicksand. Oh, really? Yeah. Shit, okay. Astoria, yeah. Nice. nice. Yeah, I, I had a lot of fun with that record for a little while. I haven't gone back to it. I can't see that I yeah. that I would. I suspect if I put it on and listened to it, I'd have a nice little nostalgia trip. Yeah, no, I imagine so. Um, it was it was huge, uh, you know, in terms of, I think Green Day have already done Dookie by this yeah. point. This was kind of what the next one in line. Yeah, and this, this was, thing. you know, this was, yeah, th- those two records, like, you know, kicked off yeah. all of those other bands being... At the forefront, all of those epitaph bands, mm. you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, you know, without these, you, you don't have, you don't have rancid, you don't mm-hmm. have, you know. And I've fucking like, you know, that two two album run of rancid, of rancid, like Outcome the Wolves and Life Won't Wait. I fucking love those records. Yeah, indeed. I think it's Laura Diminishing returns outside of that, but I think those two records are fucking pretty near perfect. Um, but, yeah, but yeah, that, this the kind of Orange County punk thing. It kicked. It, I think even for bands who were around before them, it really gave some of their careers a boost because oh, sure, this kind of more poppy stuff that was getting played on MTV too and was in the charts and getting played in the clubs. You know, Bad Religion or something like that probably wouldn't have had, uh, wouldn't have been hired for as many. Bad Religion or a hardcore band, but anyway, fair enough. Um, but, but, no, the, the yeah, but, but look, yeah, you know, Mighty Mighty Boss Tones aren't having a top right. 10 single Absolutely. without Offspring doing well, you know, sure. you're not, you Blink, know. Blink-182 wouldn't have had a career if they hadn't, if this shit exactly. hadn't started. This stuff, this stuff kind of opened up, I mean, yeah, without this, you have no busted. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. There's your domino effect. You know, it opened up another sound in the 90s. And, you know, we, mm-hmm. we, we were there at all those Reading festivals when mm-hmm. this stuff was big. And, oh, sure. You know, we didn't necessarily go into that tent a lot, but I kind no. of, I'm, I think I'd have been more happy to coexist with that stuff than... Some of the stuff that you probably have to coexist with at Reading these days. Oh God! Well, I I look at a, a lineup and I think it's some sort of joke. I think it's one of those AI-generated stupid names. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know anyone. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not quite that far down the uh, road. I, I, you know, there's always some stuff on there that I like, and you know, and I'm sure if you're young, it's brilliant. Uh, Cannibal Corpse released the bleeding. Mm-hmm. Don't remember that at the time, but I I think I was aware of Cannibal Corpse because they were 
the most defensive band in the world. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you, everyone, everyone, you know, everyone kind of had a good laugh at Cannibal Corpse. Yeah, sure. uh, so song titles. Hole released Live Through This, which went in at number 13. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is obviously just before Kurt Cobain kills himself. Absolutely. Were you, were you at that uh, that Reading where, where Hole played and the, the, there was just this weird atmosphere where like just loads of people who had absolutely no basis for an opinion whatsoever were just fucking spods mm. were just clearly blamed Courtney Love yeah, for that, so, yeah 94 I guess yeah. I, I was at 94 yeah. I don't remember watching Hall I may have done but I never particularly liked Hall so I don't know if I did go and see that no, I, mean, I think I saw I think I saw a bit of the set and I think yeah. I was just annoyed by it because I was steadfastly sure it was her fault with yeah. no reason whatsoever other than you know Probably a bit of a uh, bit of uh, ingrained misogyny. I well, guess. yeah, indeed, yeah. it was the nineties. Exactly. Um, Rollins Band released "Wait," which went in at number twenty-two. Yeah, that's one of Rollins Band's two good albums. <laughs> I mean, it's half a good album, I think. Yeah, you're I probably, don't, I don't, you're I probably right. Actually, yeah. the, the, the truth is, I, yeah, I went back and listened to "Wait" not that long ago, and mm-hmm. it's yeah, you're right. It's it's an album of some pretty solid high points, but mm. it's not a great album. Yeah. "End of Silence" is a better album, right? But this is why it's not terrible, and, but it's definitely his commercial peak. One, this was at twenty-two, just off the back of the liar video. Yeah, really. I mean, yeah, liar was the, the was the big thing. So it had yeah. the big video and it had the great, you know. And yeah. obviously, you know, Henry Rollins as a concept is always slightly better than Henry Rollins the reality. Mm, isn't sure, it? yeah, you know, he's an interesting guy and he's a raconteur, you mm-hmm. know. But fuck me, you, you like you, if if you were if he was part of your family, mm. like they came for like a few days oh, over Christmas, you'd, you'd be glad by the time he left. You really you? would. I, I read that book. Um, th- was it this band could be your life or our band could be your life? Oh, yeah, yeah. I read that book and uh, it's got sections on various American bands yeah. from late seventies, early eighties, and one of them is on Black Flag. Yeah. And to be honest, pretty much every chapter. I read about every different band made me dislike the people in that band. Yeah. There were no redeeming features in a lot of them. And I did just come to think, oh, you guys are pricks. Mm-hmm. You know, Black Flag, just Rollins especially, just sounds like an up himself arsehole. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure he, you know, that's youth, a lot of it, you know, whenever sure. he was 19 or something at the point. But he just sounds like, fuck it, you are unbearable to be around. Oh, yeah, but I mean, you kind of need some of that, don't you? Oh, you, you, you need punk rock. You need that. a blinkered idealism. Because if you don't have a blinkered idealism, Every band is Mumford and Sons. Not sure. And having said that, that guy in Mumford and Sons had a blinkered oh, yeah. idealism. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> True enough. There you go. Anyway, uh, Pulp released his and hers, which went in at number nine, mm-hmm. um, and that was obviously the first kind of the, the first breakthrough, but not their commercial peak. The next one was sure. the big one, but this was the one where I guess all the Pulp fans who'd been egging them on for. 10 years at this point we're like finally fucking yes our band is through and this has some brilliant songs on it Um, so fair play to them for that Terror Vision uh, released How to Make Friends and Influence People yeah again this was their big commercial break wasn't it I had the previous album Formaldehyde Mm -hmm. I didn't particularly love it Um, yeah I mean Terror Vision they were they were they were big and they were silly and they were fun and I always yeah. thought they were for fucking spots. But this is it. They were too fun. You know, yeah, in, in, a, like, in a world where we were listening to Nirvana and Soundgarden and Alice in Chains, yeah, they come along and just are enjoying being in a band. It's yeah. like fuck off, what? Yeah, fuck off, calm mate. down, mate. Fuck off with your good childhood. Yeah, and your fun tunes. Mm-hmm. This is a too catchy a riff. 
Suck a dick. One of them got beaten up by, uh, was, it, was it Jock Sean or Mark Lanigan at that uh, big day right. out? right, yes. I can't remember which. No, I'm not sure. I just I just read Mark Lanigan's uh, biography. Mm, you said it was, uh, you recommend it. I mean, I do recommend it. I mean, it's a fucking hard read, though. Right. It really is. That, that was, he was not a happy man, funnily yeah. enough. Was, who, yeah, who knew? Who knew, yeah. Um, Nas, Illmatic. I mean, you know, what can you say about Nazimatic? It's a, it, it is, it's one of the best debut albums of all time. It's mm. a fucking, it's a, a hip hop classic. Did uh, you know it at the time in '94? Um, I, I mean, yeah, I, I was, a, I was adjacent to. It. I, mm-hmm. I didn't, I, I didn't, I don't think I discovered it fully for a few years after that. But, oh, it, but that long was, after. but it was by one of availability of it and no one else I knew having it and making you know it was just that it was that thing there was always too much music but you know I was obviously I knew like a major look and I knew Mm -hmm. like a a, you know a a new bits and pieces of it I think this is one of the records that nobody I knew at the time had this no one was talking about it and I I've got on my list here I have uh, notes on most of them for where it charted, the highest chart position, yeah. but nothing beside this. So I can only assume it did not chart in the yeah. UK at all. That's what I think. Um, and so it probably wasn't until, you know, one of those HMV 3 for 15 or something yeah. where you, you go, well, fucking, I'll take a punt then. I I had heard nothing about this in 94 at I mean, all. It is, a, it is a fucking... I mean, I'm presuming... The... I... Because I didn't get it at the time, and I went back until very, very later, I think it's good but not brilliant. Uh, there are some bits I don't understand why it gets the hype. Oh, I, I disagree. No, I, I know, and I'm, I know why I'm wrong because everyone has this. It's oh, yeah. like an absolute classic. But I, I think I missed something, or I was looking for something in it. Whenever I finally got it, that wasn't there. I don't know what it is, but I was like, oh yeah, this is okay. This is good. Fair uh, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, Let Love In, got to number twelve. Mm-hmm. That's an impressive one for that. Uh, Cud released Showbiz, which got to number forty-six. Yeah, uh, and. They are such a classic indie band, yeah. like English indie band. Mm-hmm. Do they? they they never really broke through. They got a couple of really catchy singles. They disbanded it because no one cared anymore. Yeah. Um, but they, they, in terms of jangly indie, you go, oh yeah, Cud, classic. There we go. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Cash released the first American Recordings album, right? Uh, which obviously kicked off the whole series of them. Sure. So I I have a feeling that. Whenever it was released, there wasn't much fanfare that I remember about it. I don't remember going ever, anybody at that time going, "Oh, Johnny Cash, the King is back," sort of shit. Yeah, it wasn't until a few albums down the line where he was getting more into it, and and people were going, "Oh no, this is very cool." But I think the f- this first one was more of a okay, fine. This is the thing we kind of like to think that these narratives are actual opinions mm. as opposed to re-engineered ideas that yeah, kind sure. of fit a marketing campaign and there is quite a lot of that you know the thing that i always remember is the critical reception of mezzanine mm-hmm. by massive attack when it came out where everyone was convinced that there's no way it could possibly good as as blue lines because blue lines had been lauded so much over recent years as yeah. this absolute classic whereas you go back you can't find many people that think blue lines is a better record than mezzanine no that's true yeah. um you know the, the narrative of that has completely changed and it's almost like written that when it came out that was the opinion i was there it wasn't yeah it sure. fucking wasn't yeah you know and there's, there's a lot of stuff like you that, do you have to catch we, yourself sometimes there's a lot of revisionist history that that takes place yeah sure um outcast 
released Southern Playalistic Cadillac Music. Yeah, Southern Playalistic De- Cadillac Music. Yeah, yeah. D- their debut album. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's a pretty decent album. Is it? I don't think I've ever heard it, and I definitely didn't know it. No, I, I, I didn't know it at the time. I knew Outcast from Me and You, which is on Equimony, mm-hmm. which I heard when it came out on like MTV Raps, but it was one of those things where I heard it and went, I fucking love this. This is great. I need uh-huh. to know what this is. Don't think I wrote down what it was at the time. Right. Didn't know what it was. Couldn't hear about it for years. And I think it was when Stankonia came out mm-hmm. that I was able to go, I'm pretty sure this was these guys. I wonder what else they've ah, right. got. Work back from it. And okay. then I found it. So that pre-internet reality, even when, even embryonic internet, mm. it still couldn't answer all your questions. When you couldn't oh, access it. sound clips quickly. Yeah, yeah. you're not going to go on, on fucking some alt board and go what's that song i just saw on empty no one knows exactly that but so yeah i had i known outcast at the time i'm pretty sure i'd have fucking You'd have been into I, it I, fucking, I mean i love outcast out right there. but um yeah, anyway uh, okay yep so that's the debut live released throwing copper um two. I love <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, yeah two, two, you know they they got loads of press off it as well yeah. it was kind of highly touted I didn't care at all. I, I, the thing is, right, I, that's a kind of a bit of a guilty secret about I alone, I think, is a fucking banger. Oh, right. It's, it's, it, I think it's a, it's, it's a terrible banger, and it's definitely <laughs> sung in the club style, <laughs> yeah. right? The most sung in the club style. It's like, it's, almost, uh-huh. it's, it's AI doing Eddie Vedder, isn't yeah, it? But, exactly. um, yeah. I mean, I, heard, I think I heard that album, and I didn't care for it. Yeah, well, exactly. I remember I Alone coming out, and I was, again, because I was starting to DJ in places, I was playing that song now and again, and then I remember them releasing whatever the second single was, yeah. and I was like, oh, well, that's terrible. Yeah. And just nothing after that I gave mm-hmm. shit about. Yeah, they, they were an absolute flash in the pan. Did me. fucking huge in the States, though, didn't they? they? Yeah, it was big. They were really, really yeah. big in the States. I bet you they're one of the bands. They're probably still going, and probably still selling out stadiums. Oh, no, I, I, I think there's some drama about them. I can't remember oh, what well. it is. I, I, I could look it up, but I cannot yeah. be fucked. No, it wouldn't bother me. Um, Compulsion released Comforter, got to number 59. Again, another one of those... Um, Tighted in the enemy sort of bands. Yeah, I, I was with my friend Grant when he bought that from a record oh, right, shop yeah. in Bedford. Oh, well. Yeah. Uh, listened to it and went, oh, this is shit. Yeah. It's, it's just that English music press yeah. idea that there was another new wave of new wave. Yeah, oh, here's a new spiky band. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, who are we putting them in with? These Animal Men and Smash. I know, well, totally. Uh, well, Curb Dog released Totally Switched, only got to number 97. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were... Again, talked about loads in the press, and I bought a couple of singles and just thought they were okay. That's where I was as well. Man. Some people like, love them. I know. Like our, our, yeah, like our, our pals Stephen and, uh, and, and Gaz. And yeah, Gaz and they Truth absolutely love them. And again, you know, I all the all the press of the day, you know, like Helmet, whatever. I picked the out. I picked the record up. I was like, I picked up. Uh, I think Dummy Crush. Out, I expected mm. to like it. Right. And just didn't. And I haven't been back to it for a long time. And I've heard them talking about it. And they talk about it in such coloured tones. I'm like, well, maybe Maybe. I'll go back and check it out and reappraise it. But I I didn't like it at the time. Sorry, lads, if you're listening. Hopefully you won't be because I could do without the email. (laughs) Uh, Right. we got Matter Rose released Panic On. got number 52. A couple of really good singles on that. A couple of really good singles. But as an album, it's a bit fluff. Yeah. Uh, Matter Rose. Um, and Salt and Pepper released Very Necessary, which went in at number 36. 
What's so, on very necessary? Uh, by 94, I'm not sure I know well, any no, Salt and Pepper. Let's have, a, let's have a look at the track list and Very Necessary by Salt and Pepper. Okay. Because I reckon there's some singles on that. But we, we, we've already had Let's Talk About Sex. That was earlier 90s. What a Man? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah I mean, is that, what a man. Is that on there? Yeah, yeah. What a Man. Oh, is on it? There, okay. Yeah. That's a fucking good change. Shoop, oh, Shoop's on there as well. Oh, is it? Oh, I see. All oh, right. So it's proper pop. Yeah. Uh, as is the track, I've Got AIDS. No. <laughs> Sorry, what? <laughs> oh, that's fucking brilliant. It, but, there is a song called I've Got AIDS. The, the track, I've got, uh, uh, and it's, uh, it's two tracks after, uh, three tracks after Sexy Noises Turn Me On. Unbelievable. So basically, the, the the takeaway from that is if you're near Salt and Pepper, don't make sexy noises, or well, you're going to get AIDS. Wait, I'm just um, I'm going to play a little bit of I Got AIDS. So let's see what this is like. <laughs> well, for a long time, me, Pep, and Spin have been involved in the fight against AIDS, and we always say the best cure is not to get it and not to spread it. You should be responsible if you're going to have sex. So we decided to give a spot on our album to a group of young people. Who are also oh, this is oh, I know. and they're called We Talk from Boston, Massachusetts. Oh, we can't laugh at this now. Young people. I mean, I'm going to give it a go. Other young people. <laughs> All right, fucking. I'm just going to skip ahead so there's some music somewhere. Mario, that's how we got into this. In oh, the is first it? Place. Oh, oh no, is it theatre? Oh, Jesus Christ! Oh, it's uh, it's legs akimbo, <laughs> but I, <laughs> oh, clearly. <laughs> All oh, right. Okay. Well, that was that was disappointing. Uh, when 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 <laughs> when salt and pepper give you lemons. <laughs> oh, good God! I mean, it's by far the least played song on the album on Spotify. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Last Who'd have song. It? Oh well. How many places uh, sexy noises turn me on got? Uh, almost a million. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. Okay. So those are some albums. Loads and loads and loads of albums anyway that were released. Uh, we say it so many times, 1994 is just fucking fertile ground. It's so fertile ground. much stuff. Very fertile. Very fertile. But that does mean we need to go back into the Floyd. Oh, I think there's been a power cut. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Right, let's do track number five. This is called A Great Day for Freedom. All right. This oh. one. Oh, it's about the Berlin Wall. Or is it? Or are they revisiting their own theoretical oh. Oh, oh, oh. So many facets. Oh. It's, I, I've, got, I've got a very specific comment about Excellent. this. Excellent, please I'm do. Gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll be interested to see if you've picked up on it as well. Okay. Look, let's just talk about it generally. Like, so look. Mm-hmm. Lyrically, it's saying something obliquely profound about faded optimism and missed opportunity. Yes, right? indeed. It's like everyone had this huge swell of optimism when the, the Berlin Wall came down. They were like, oh, well, this is going to unlock a new utopia. Yeah. Uh, and that didn't come to pass. You know, the world didn't suddenly, or at least Europe or whatever, didn't suddenly become this heaven on earth and everyone was happy yeah. and peaceful. Now, this is only four minutes 19. Indeed, my, yeah. my, my specific comment about this, though, particularly if you listen... Listen to these soaring keyboards, uh-huh. and listen to the guitar solos and things that's going to come in. This is basically November Rain with all the fun kicks out of it. Ooh! Even in some of the solo, it sounds oh, like oh. November Rain. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, no, I hadn't picked that out. Yeah, I haven't. But honestly, you, you, you wait until the. I mean, when it, when it kicks. But the the thing I, mean, I did when it kicks. Right, yeah, sure. But the thing I thought uh, I 
when I got to this song, I, I thought, this is a bit leaden, this mm-hmm. is a bit boring. But I did start to like his voice. I, I started to go, actually, I kind of like what he does, because it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, he's not trying, he's not histrionics. Not no, no, you're right, his, vo- his voice does sit quite nicely it fits, on this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, Listen. Right, there's a bit of piano coming through. It's Michael Kamen on orchestral uh, composition. You can, and you can tell that because he's got a slightly longer nose than Michael Crocodile. Wow. <laughs> Jesus God. <laughs> I'm so pleased with that. <laughs> All right, guitar solo coming in. Dear me. I say what you make, but yeah, like you say, with none of the fun. Uh huh. Definite elements. Yeah, I see uh, what you're saying. It's like imagine if November Rain was a John Lewis advert. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. You slow it down ten times. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um. Just uh, the only other thing I'll say about this, and it's not about this really. Uh, just for something to say in terms of other people on this album mm-hmm. um, people in the band uh, they this is the first album that they have a guy called Guy Pratt uh, mm. on bass like throughout he'd done a load of stuff live with them before on the Momentary Lapse of Reason tour but he was kind of a, a part of the band really in the recording of this and then was for many years sure. he did all the live stuff with them uh, from here on oh. that bit all of it. All right, sure. Yeah, fair play. Yeah, sure. uh, Guy Pratt, um, he was a session ba- bassist for years. He was in Ice House at the start of the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, he played on songs like Madonna's Like a Prayer. Mm-hmm. You know, he He's the bass player on that. Sure. He's also the bass player on Dear Jesse. So, you know, give yeah, and take. Yeah. Um, he was on like some 90s albums. We saw him whenever we did the Orbs, UF Orb. He was on that. He also yeah. did Adventures Beyond. He did some stuff with Blue Pearl, which is very possibly why ah, uh, sense, yeah. we got that, that connection. He did stuff with Electronic. He co-wrote Ain't No Doubt for Jimmy Nail. Oh, wow. So, you know, that's a career high. Uh, he also wrote, th- co-wrote the theme music for Spaced. Oh, wow. So, well, yeah, okay. indeed. Um, he also had... Uh, he did a stand-up kind of show called My Bass and Other Animals, and it was about his experiences being a session player in the music business. Yeah. I saw it uh, years and years ago, it was, and it was dead good, very interesting. Oh, okay. he, he's, he's a very personable guy, lots of very interesting stories, nice. and he wrote a book about it as well. He sort of turned it into a book. He's just played with absolutely everybody, yeah, yeah, but yeah, he still yeah. seems this kind of... He's even you, you, Just you, a bloke. Just this guy, yeah. And he's called Guy Pratt. That is brilliant, isn't it? A terrible moniker for your child. Like, why would you do that to your kid? Worse than moniker. Um, Quite. So, yeah, I mean, that, that song's just gone. I mean, it's Ugh. it's kind of pretty floaty and boring. It's like almost yeah. everything else on the record. Yeah. With a you know, brief caveat that, you know, his, his voice doesn't sound too bad on yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't like that. Didn't like that. And it's, to me... That's just a little bit too worthy, you know, talking oh, about... Oh, yeah, it's dull as fuck. It's, you know, some, some, some stuff I'll, I'll let you away with if you want to talk about, um, you know, how we're destroying the earth or something like this. You're like, but the Berlin Wall, it's just like, that's too too on point. Well, like, we'll on. get to that. We'll, anyway, we'll get so to that. Let's the next one then. This one is called uh, Wearing the Inside Out. Yes, it is. 
which I've adopted this song as the theme music for the uh, sandpaper dildo that I've invented. <laughs> Wearing the inside out. Right. All you need to know is how I feel about this record is how excited I got when I was like, oh, at least there's a saxophone. A saxophone, yeah. <laughs> We've got some sax art atmosphere in here. Here we go. Yeah. Things are getting saxy. Uh, yeah. And this sounds so much like an 80s movie. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, yeah. This yeah, is... This is unbelievably. Yeah, yeah. This, is a, this is a tired gumshoe, isn't it? Isn't it? This is, yeah. it, this is a, a bit in Lethal Weapon where a friend or a family member has been seriously injured yeah. and it's all getting a bit serious. Yeah, or it's a, or it's a, yeah, like a, you know, like a, like a kind of film noir detective sure. down a rainy side. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, obviously, this is one that Richard Wright sings. Yes, indeed. And, and he wrote it as well himself. This yeah. is like his only sole credit writing I think on the album. Yeah, the, and, and this, he is, sings this it. is the first credit that hasn't had either first Pink Floyd song that hasn't had either Gilmore or um, or Waters or Waters on it yeah. like forever basically. yeah yeah one of the main problems with this song is that his vocals sound like Neil from the Young Ones <laughs> <laughs> you sound like a bad thing <laughs> hole in my shoe <laughs> <laughs> oh, M- musically it's a little bit more fun in a couple of places. There, there's, I, I actually I don't mind this very limp delivery of the vocals yeah. because I think it fits with the rest of the song. I still wish it wasn't in this ultra low tempo plod that okay. everything has been in so far, right? Right, sure. Like I, I'll be honest with you, this is this is probably my favourite one so far. Okay, yep. But I cannot. Stress mm-hmm. how faint that praise is. <laughs> now, I know what you mean. Um, I know this is all right. I, whenever again on my my listens through, it's like this is all right. This the rest fine. of my notes about this song were all about Durgan McBroom's name. Oh, is it? <laughs> <laughs> it just got carried away. Yeah. <laughs> Durga, Durga. Can you imagine? Durgan McBroom sounds like a Star Wars character. Oh, it does as well. Yeah. Or uh, or or someone from Hogwarts. Yes. Or one of those uh, like up, room, uh, Toast of London. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, this keyboard. I mean, obviously, so he's a keyboardist. He wrote this yeah, song. I mean, that, that's he's, a bright keyboard, isn't it? He's, he's obviously going to put a bit of this in. But yes, I actually don't mind this. This is all right. This is actually a custom tone that was uh, no, engineered yeah. for me by Roland. <laughs> uh, it took... The, they captured on uh, an electron microscope mm-hmm. the, the sound of uh, an atom crying. <laughs> uh, I mean, this sounds kind of like classic Floyd to me. This sounds like yeah, yeah. the 70s Floyd to me. The this, stuff the, I know. This, yeah, this is, this is... If it had been all like this, I'd have fully... F- I, I, Maybe not. I, still, I still wouldn't have been all right with yeah. it, but I'd have, been, I'd have been slightly less fucking suicidal. I, 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 I admit that... I love a saxophone. Mm-hmm. You know, I do love a sax on a song. I don't think this fits one bit on the, the rest of the song. Whenever it came in, I was like, oh, where's this going? And then it came into the, the actual song, and the sax just came back in there a little bit. I don't get this at all. The saxophone sounds very out of place, and to be honest, a bit shit. But uh, this is all right. Yeah. But how does Durga McBroom sound? Durga, she, she, she's on point, mate. Yeah. yeah. The Durgan. There can be only, <laughs> there can be only one. <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> oh no. God's oh, sake. Fuck I'll not. tell you also, just because I, I um <laughs> I mentioned Guy Pratt, yeah. the, the bassist. Um it turns out that he married Richard Wright's daughter like oh, it, the following year oh, or something dear. like ninety five or ninety six and right. it's gotta be a weird dynamic. Yeah, it really is, isn't <laughs> oh, it? I brought you into the band. You're banging my what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I knew you were a percussionist. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. oh fuck it out! And he's like, oh yeah, well, at least he, at least he's got a lovely sense of rhythm. Well, quite exactly. Uh, yeah, this one, okay, like you say, one of the better ones so far. Yeah. We're we're just past halfway through the album now. I mean, the fact that that's one of the better. I know. Ones. Listen to what's going on, going on, and we're yeah. we're we're touting this as a highlight. Yeah, yeah. I know. Hmm. Fuck me. All right, uh, let's do another one then. I guess this okay. one's called uh, "Take It Back." Take it back. Uh, this one was a single, so we finally Holy got. We finally hit a song that was a single. And I wonder. Got to number twenty-three in June of nineteen ninety-four. Oh, and oh. there's the edge. On yeah, yeah, I was going to say it was the start of Street Seven Nine Nine. You too. Oh, there's a beat there. Mm-hmm. That is hilarious. I mean, it's already got a bit more character to it because there's stuff happening. Yeah. It's not just a, a dreary instrumental. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm just hopeful that the tempo of that guitar just... Mm-hmm. Is there going to be a beep? Well, it's, it's kind of inferring there might be. Let's see. What are party poppers? <laughs> There it is. Some people stand it, in the it? dark. Yes, exactly. <laughs> this is so deeply 80s. Oh, hugely, hugely. I mean, it, the, the vocals, his vocals on this really remind me of other bands from the 80s and 90s. I can't place him, but it's like Deacon oh, Blue. Such and such. Oh, maybe it, that ship, kind of... a ship called Dignity. Right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Oh, fucking like Dire Straits. I've got a couple of Dire Straits references in, in this. I, I, I think this song sounds like a Queen, like 80s Queen B sides or a Dire Straits song. Oh, Queen as well? That's a good shout. Yeah, yeah that 80s it's stuff. Got, yeah, it's, it's got mm-hmm. that kind of like breakthrough kind yeah. of but energy. With the edge on guitar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there are additional lyrics on this one from a guy called Nick Laird Close. Uh, who is the man behind the Dream Academy? Nick Laird Clothes. So his his name is a br- is is a, is a clothes basket. Clothes. C L O W E S. Oh right. Yeah. I Laird Clothes. Oh right. No Laird. Laird. It's like a pile. Clothes. Clothes. Klaus. Uh, but yeah, he he was the guy who was behind the Dream Academy, who okay. did Life in a Northern Town in the eighties, which is a wonderful song. Mm. And so he's got lyric uh, input on this one. And this so far is the first one. I'm like, there's a tune here. Oh, there is, but it's dull. I actually don't mind this. Whenever this start, every time I was going through the album, when this came on, I would perk up a bit. Uh, yeah, I think this is all right. It's again, this is the one where he's talking about climate disaster and forest fires. And here's and the right now. Here's my fucking point on this. Yes, okay, right. Given everything we've talked about mm-hmm. about the promotion of this record, yeah. Just the sheer thing of building two 70-foot fucking statues, yep. right? Do we think that those are con- conservationist-type behaviours? Mm. Do we think that the fact that 
during the 80s when they weren't talking, the fact that Roger Waters and him were probably flying on separate private jets oh, absolutely. to gigs. Yep. Do we think they've got a fucking leg to stand on when it comes to global warming? Are you sure. fucking insane? You, you've blown up an airship to promote a CD <laughs> yeah. made of plastic, which you've printed a billion copies of yep. and sent in trucks around the fucking world, you madman. Mad. You're, you're, you're insane. Shut up! This yeah. is like when Frank uh, when that is up there with one of my my, my favorite. I would say I will say my favorite tweet of all time. Go on. Was when um, uh, basically Richard Branson uh, posted something up about needing to do more to stop global warming, mm-hmm. and Frankie Boyle just replied, "You've got an airline, you mad cunt!" <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay. Right. <laughs> Brilliant. Right? Lovely, Brilliant. Yep. My favourite my favorite tweet of all time. You've got an airline, you mad cunt. Right? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it, it's akin to that. It's like, it's, you know what I mean? It's, you know, it's, it's Phil Collins talking about his divorces again, yeah, isn't it? It's, indeed, yeah. Is, is this, yeah. Are you maybe part of the problem? Yeah, I, I, I don't think this is particularly good. I think it's... I think it's better than the dreary fucking dream states fucking mm. fucking a little bit of a fucking no, it's much better than that right, right? sure um, but it's there's not much of a chorus to it uh, no, there's, no there's not really much of a chorus no the chorus lets it down if I'm honest I think that the take it back bit I'm not so mm-hmm. fan of but the verses I do kind of like mm-hmm. um, and you got to give it right there's lyrics about you know waves on the sea the earth on fire rising tides etc climbing disaster mm-hmm. You got to give it to him. They put this song out, and we solved it all because of this song. So, well, that is fair true. Play. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, you know, it was nineteen ninety four. We've not had any issues since then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. well done, Pink Floyd. If you ask me, I well, think you're well, a bit haven't, haven't said that. I mean, mm. they did this about thirty. Well, they, they did. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, they did the wall in the seventies, yeah. and then the wall came down in the nineties. Right. Sure. So, allowing for a little uh, bit of lag, maybe, okay. maybe it's yeah, it could be on 30, thirty years on. Maybe we're yeah true. Yeah, maybe next year, 30 years on, we'll sort it out. Oh, on the anniversary tour. Exactly. There you go. See, it's all coming together. Okay, good. Oh, we good, avoided good. some good tragedy there. That's well done. And to be honest with you, like if Roger Waters had written the lyrics, we'd have, we'd have been there already. Very true. Yeah. Very true. But did you hear that um, one of the reasons that Gilmore, well, the, the whole band really kind of hated Roger Waters for such a long time, um, because he did a terrible cover version of a Red Hot Chili Peppers song. But that's all waters under the bridge. By sure, now. I can yeah. imagine. I can imagine. Yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, there was a, one of the, one of the most difficult moments uh, when they realised he was going to have to go. Is they were they were they were writing a song, and Gilmore was writing the bit that went from the from the verse into the chorus. Mm-hmm, sure. And while they were trying to record it, he Voltage was just there, just fucking complaining, mm. complaining and complaining and complaining. And after that, it's like, well, I, I can't have that anymore. Mm. It was just a bridge over troubled waters. Right, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's just it's a real shame. It really real, was. That is yeah. a real shame, Dave. Of course, there was the time as well, wasn't there? Wasn't there when he was, uh, when he, he was involved in... Uh... <laughs> I, I, I'm frankly terrified about what's happening right now. I'm, I'm sorry that I started it, but go on. Yeah. <laughs> you say the it, you mean the podcast, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was a contestant in Celebrity uh, It's a Knockout. Oh, right, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, and obviously it was it was quite a, quite a rainy day. Right, sure. And he came it, off one of the inflatables. Oh, no. Into a big puddle. Uh-huh. Puddle got very dirty. Uh-huh. It was a, a muddy waters. No, no, not <laughs> fucking Christ. 
Yeah. Do you remember at the time? No, no. And what a lot of people don't realise is that first airship. Yeah. The reason that it crashed. Yeah. Is um, it was it was being piloted by a Roger. Yeah. All right. Yeah, watership down. Oh God. <laughs> And of course, there was the time. <laughs> There's the song that Iron Maiden wrote about the uh, the time that uh, that uh, Bruce Dickinson invited him along to an abattoir. What? Bring your waters to the. <laughs> Bring your waters. <laughs> Shall we stop? Oh, fuck's sake! I reckon I could continue. Oh, please don't! Right, let's okay. go. Let's do another song. Oh, I'd rather listen to another Pink Floyd song. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't prepare any of those. Uh, 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 really? You, yeah. you shock me. Fucking hell. All right. Oh, that's made me laugh. Oh. No one else. I, 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 yeah, for anyone listening to this, you know, you've waited two months for this one to come out. I hope you're fucking yeah. happy. I fucking, by the way, I'm employing my veto. No editing any of those <laughs> out. They're all in. No, that's, that's fair. Yeah, that, they're all in. Right. Right, let's do track number eight, which is Coming Back to Life. Okay. Oh, here we are. It's uh-huh. a bit brighter. Uh-huh. I mean, again, this is kind of tailing in from the previous one. Yeah. And, you know, again, I'm getting... Whenever this comes in, I'm getting another 80s movie vibe. Oh, it is. And, I mean, it's... They, they seem to be... Oh. Yeah, they, uh, this is... Tangerine Dream. Yeah. But not as good as, like, Tangerine Dream. But, yeah, this is, this is again, you know, a funeral scene mm-hmm. in Beverly Hills Cop. Mate, this is this is like one of those misjudged moments from the first Bill and Ted movie where they're talking about the music oh, that yeah. changes oh, the world. No, but yeah, true. Um, so look, look, over it's a bit right, as I say, it's, it's it's about rebirth, kind of, isn't it? Okay, sure. It's yeah, about yeah. Putting the past behind you. So overall, it's a bit less dour than the rest of it. It's got I've got a bit of positivity in some of the lyrics. Yes. Um, you know, it's, it's about obviously it's about him kind of cutting. Like old things that depressed him away, and mm-hmm. just kind of starting a new life. So it's you know around. Obviously, he's got a new relationship. He's exactly. This is this is about yeah, his he, fiance. He's, he's, he's doing less of the beak. Right. Sure. Well, you you, know. I think because he did it all in the eighties. Yeah, I think they, he they might ran have, out. Yeah. Well, no, yeah, he he, him and status quo. Oh, true enough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but th- but, yeah, this is the only song where Dave Gilmore is the sole credit on both songwriting and lyrics because mm. it's about his fiance. Yeah, I mean, so I, it's a bit I, of a soppy one. But I mean, I, I've read a couple of things where people were really, really elegiac about this one. Oh, it's a real high point of this record, and yeah, I didn't get that. It's still serious and f- no fun at all. No, and this apparently because it's you know he wrote it he's very proud of this one it's one of the ones apparently he did in like in most of the live Pink Floyd shows and also in every solo show he does like to date sort of thing right. he will play this song because this is my song for, for my well now wife right he's really fucking happy with this one mm-hmm. and it's alright it's it's a bit more like he's trying to write a stri- more straightforward pop song whenever the right it doesn't sound like it right now when the, the drums come mm-hmm. in it sounds a bit more like he's done. Okay, well, this is just going to be a nice little tune. Yeah. Um, but to be honest, if that's the case, I, if that were the case, if he'd been able to do that, it should have been one of the singles, and it wasn't. You know, this isn't catchy enough to be a pop single. It's a bit in between for me. Yeah. 
it's I I get that he wants to sing about how happy he is and with this new relationship. Here we go. Here's the drums. But it's a bit just nondescript overall. It's a bit flimsy. I mean, you know, I don't actively dislike dislike it at all. It's, I mean, this is coming out three years after Polly from Nirvana, though. Do you know what I mean? You yeah. Can't, you've got, the game has changed, my friend. Yeah. You've got to raise it. Is it yeah, he's, like, he's going for a bit more of a bouncy thing. I mean, fucking Nick Mason's going mental on these drums. Yeah, I mean, it really is. I mean, no one he's else could have done this. Testing them. Testing the limits. This is a half beat away from reggae, though. <laughs> this, is a, this is slowed down reggae. Yeah. I thought this exact same thing. Exactly. If, if this was uh, sped up a little bit, it would be uh, on the off, on yeah. the off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is a bit more upbeat than the other ones. Um, I don't think his vocals sound very like him on this one. This is, this is not what I'm used to from the rest mm-hmm. of the album. But it's not a bad thing. It's all right. It's a bit soppy. You know, come back to life because I'm in love. This has oh. been this has probably been the, the first dance at a few weddings. Uh, maybe so. Yeah, like the kind of weddings where the where the groom's wearing a denim cut off. <laughs> but no, it, I mean it's fine. Don't it's, care. Yeah, no, Don't that's care. It, I, this is forgettable. Um, it's, Again, got, it's, it's got a little bit of that Queen about it as well. Definitely that. No, you said that. Absolutely, it does. Oh, they literally the most fucking Brian made guitar as well. Uh. What was he? Something. What was he light? The guitarist of light. Guitarist of light. Brian May, guitarist of light. Amazing. Yeah, but I don't get this as like people saying this is one of the best songs on the album, or this is one of the best songs in the live show, and this is like they're one of the centerpieces of Dave Gilmore's skills. I mean, well, what I will say is this is one of the best songs on this. album. Oh right, okay, yeah. But I do not like this song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and. It goes on, this one. This is over six minutes long. We're now at four minutes, so I'm quite content to just fade this out. And then do the singles. And do the singles. You happy with that? do the singles. Right. Thank you for that, Dave Gilmore, but hard pass. No thank. No thank. Singles. The week of the 3rd to 9th of April. Oh, number 10 is Salt and Pepper, What a Man. So, yes, there you go. That's why. Uh, Number 9, Mariah Carey, Without You. Still fucking hanging Still around. Good. Number eight, Reel to Reel, featuring Mad Stuntman. I like to move it. Number seven is a new entry, and I've put this in. I will be stunned if you do get it, but it's someone I know that you very much like, mm. but I I just can't imagine. Is it mate Darren? <laughs> yeah, it is. Okay. It's your mate Darren, who, who did the theme from the motion picture with honours. Nice. This is what this is from. Number seven in the charts. Sounds like Madonna. It is Madonna. I don't know what this song is, though. I mean, do you remember the motion picture with honours? Because I don't. I don't. Hang on. Oh, I do know this song. Oh, do you? Mm. Okay. I don't remember this song at all. Now, I played this to myself and going, never heard it before in my life. What's the song called? It's called I'll Remember. I'll Remember. There you go. Right. I've yeah. never heard this before. You, you do remember this from the time? Yeah, I oh, find right. very vaguely, though. It's like, it's, like, it's, like an, it's like one of those kind of... If you'd have said to me, there's a Madonna song called I'll Remember, uh-huh. in isolation, I'd have gone, oh, don't remember that. And sure. then, but it's one of, those, one of those kind of like... It's in the back of your head. The, yeah. Oh, okay. Fair dues, right? No, well, in that case, I'm impressed that you even remember that it happened, because I don't. Right. Okay, so that's number seven, anyway. Uh, number six is D-Ream, You Are the Best Thing. 
Number five, Ace of Base, the sign. Number four yep. is a new entry. And you will definitely get this one. It just depends how quickly you'll get it. Because I don't remember this bit of the intro. Mm. But then we're into... Be the most beautiful girl in the world. It is the most beautiful girl in the world. By, at the time, as he was. Symbol. Symbol. He was Symbol at that point, yeah. I think... Do we have to do this album? Or is it... No, yeah, we do have to do this album. Come. Yeah, uh towards the end of this season so yeah we'll, we'll save uh, stuff from that but I'm not a fan of this song don't get it I didn't like this song at the time but no. I've grown to like it okay yeah, fair enough uh, number three Bruce Springsteen Streets of Philadelphia uh, number yep. two Dupe Dupe which we saw last time uh, and number one is Take That Everything Changes which is a new entry but we've already done the album mm-hmm. so we've seen that loads of singles right let's crack on to some of these I didn't put this one in because I didn't think you would get it at all. Paul Weller released Hung Up. Right. Uh, no. And we are going to have to do Paul Weller at some point. I think in the next season. I think you've got an album of his. That got to number 12. This one got to number 17. And I remember really liking this at the time. But it's one of those ones because it it's not a real act, obviously. It's a one-off. Do you remember the name of what they call um, themselves? Uh, yeah. This second I can't. Mm-hmm. I'm fairly sure One, I know it. two, three, four. It's, like, it's not incognito. It's, no. it's, like, it's something like that. Uh, it, it? They called the song How G. How G. Yeah. How G. Yeah. Um, uh... Nah. nah. Uh, uh, they called themselves Black Machine. No, no, I wouldn't. No, Black have that. I wouldn't have that. But no, I do. I like this song. I think it's 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 good, mm. fun, funky pop. Yeah. Uh, not sure. I mean, you probably will get this one to be honest. As soon as he gets into it, it's got to number twenty-four in the UK charts, which surprises me a bit. It's Ice Cube. Nope. Uh, you don't mean Ice Cube. Oh, it's a fucking Ice Tea, sorry. Ice Tea. It's, um, yeah, it's, um, um, it's on fucking Return of the Real. Um, oh, it says here, that Spotify is saying it's on Home Invasion. I'm not sure about that. Is it? Yeah, oh, it's uh, that's how I'm living. No, no but what the fuck's it called? No, but it's, it's yeah, it's, it's the one after that. Oh, the fuck is it? This is this isn't the album version. It's a very different mix. Oh, is it? Yeah. All oh, right, I just picked off the first one, right? That's what it's called. Got a lot of love. Fuck, I would never have got that. Got a lot of love. Yeah. I'm sure that's different. Yeah. Oh, so, entirely possible. I, I couldn't tell you. Uh, I, I bought the single, so that kind of sounds like to me what it was. Oh, maybe that's right. Oh, I don't know. Uh, I got to number 24. This one got to number 20. And I, I'm sure I've probably said it on here before, but this is a proper guilty pleasure of mine. I think this is a really good song. It's Des, right? Yeah. You gotta be a charm. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta be. be. Yeah, I yeah. think it's a really nice song. I, yeah. I do. I, yeah, I've got a... This this was in a, the final performance, performing arts piece that we did. Oh, yeah? Yeah, there was a there was a dance number to it. 
That's going to be a weird dance number. Yeah. Was, yeah. Mm, right, yeah, anyway, that one. Uh, this one got to number 39, and you'll get this instantly. It's Tap the Bottle by uh, uh, Young Black Teenagers. Yes, it certainly is. One tap the my, Bottle. One of my favourite hip-hop tracks. This is a big tune. Yo, tap the bottle and twist the cap. Yo, tap the bottle and twist the cap. Come on, tap the bottle and twist the cap. And pass it around the crew, but start the booby or that. Yo, hickory dickory duck, we're running the Brooklyn block. Yes, the tennis to testify and try to penetrate the fence. I love nice. that. Nice. It's fucking great. That's a good flow, mate. Well done, well done. Nine Inch Nails released March of the Pigs, um, which we obviously covered whenever we did the album on the special. Go and check it out if you haven't already. This one got to number 21. And you I mean you'll get the band obviously straight away, but if you can remember the name of the song and you remember which one it is that we already talked about. Dizzy boy, uh, <laughs> no, it's a, it's a, uh, yeah, it's a, um, Terravision, yes, uh, and it's um, Whales and Dolphins. No, no, what's it? They're all fucking the same, man. There's definitely a sound to a television single. Uh, what's this one called? Yeah, there you go. That's what it's called. What's it called? Oblivion. 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 Oh, yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah, Oblivion. Oblivion. Yeah, yeah. And I do, I absolutely admit to going, that's a good fun tune. I played that loads in the clubs whenever I was doing it. I think I always thought it was shit. I, I did like that. Very much I like that. Um... This one got number 56, and I wasn't really particularly aware of it at the time. It was maybe a, a year or two later. I fucking know this really well. Mm. Is, is, is this an advert or something as well, maybe? Oh, very possibly. <laughs> Fuck, I've gone blank on this. Yeah. Where does no, this go? No, it's his... Um, Sabres of Paradise. Sabres of Paradise. It's theme by it Sabres of Paradise, yeah. yeah. It's got to number 56. Uh, this one, oops, only got to number 64. Doll Parts? Nope, the other one. Oh, it's the other one. It's a fucking, yeah, all right, the other one, which is... Um, what the fuck's it called? Oh, but brain fog is real. So yeah, it's it's, it's, it's whole, whole, and it's and it's obviously off the uh, not, live, yeah, through live through this. Live through this. What the fuck is it called? It's gonna oh, annoy the fuck you're gonna have to put you out of your misery. In. I think you are. It's called. Oh. Miss World. The Miss World. Fuck's there sake. you go, Miss World. Yeah, I just couldn't. Move the song Click. forward yeah. in my head. <laughs> yep. Uh, and I remember this coming out, and I was in the camp of like, fucking hole, whatever, yeah. rubbish. This is a catchy song. That's you decent, know, it yeah. is. It's all right, this one. Um, uh, this one, I'd forgotten that they were still going in 1994 and put a new song out, because I had this in my head. This must be like ages before that, but... 1994... Got to number 10. Oh, why you look so sad? Oh. Tears are in your eyes. Come on and come to me. Mm. Don't be a 
I mean, obviously you knew yeah, the song. Yeah, yeah. I don't know who the fuck it is. It's not Shakespeare's sister, no. No, 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 who is no it's, it's a band who were around from the 70s. No, no. Oh. Yeah, so that one. Remember who did it? I don't know. It's the Pretenders. That's the fucking Pretenders. Yeah, that's Chrissy Hind. Chrissy Hind, yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing. This was a new song in 1994 for the Pretenders. And this is like classic Pretenders. This is one of their big hits. I'm like, fucking hell, this is 94? Uh, They've been away forever. Um, I find out this song was written by a a songwriting partnership, Tom Kelly and Billy Steinberg, who also wrote Like a Virgin, True Colours and Eternal Flame. Fuck me. And yeah, you, you can kind of hear that style yeah, for yeah. sure, but that's a that's a pretty good uh, Yeah, this is a great, this is a great song actually. Oh, it is terrific. It's really good song. I need to I need to dig this song out and listen to it. Man. Yeah, it's really good fun. Uh right, so that got to number 10. This one only got to number 31. Okay, I like this song. Yes. Yeah. It is. It's the yeah. first Oasis single. It's not Cigarettes and Alcohol, then no. it's the other one. It's, um, um, it's just weird to think that this was. That this year we're going to have to do the album. I know. Uh, but this one only got to 31. Uh, Remember what it's called, so? Um First one, Supersonic. Supersonic, there yeah. you go. First one was Supersonic. Yeah. Yeah, no, we, but we're going to have to do the full album on that, so we shall hold fire. A few more. Uh, the Auteurs released Chinese Bakery. Uh, These Animal Men released You're Not My Babylon. Mm-hmm. I put in Blink released It's Not My Fault, but just put that in because they were the band that made Blink-182 have yeah, to change yeah, yeah, their name. Yeah. Uh, this one got to number 28, and I'm surprised it only got to 28 because this was big. It's um, Counting Crows. Counting Crows. Yeah, Mrs. Robinson. No, it's not Mrs. Robinson. (laughs) Yes, indeed, Mr. Jones. Jones. Yeah, Counting Crows, uh, who went on to do nothing as good as this again. I remember. Oh no, I don't. I I think this is boring as shit. Um, The only other song out of theirs I remember is their cover of Big Yellow Taxi, Mm. which was a good, good version because it's a good song, but. Yeah, this song I don't get. But this album was fucking massive. I oh, mean, they, they were huge. huge. I knew loads of people that really liked them as well. I just yeah. didn't get it. August and everything after the album. Yeah. It was just massive. Uh, but yeah, the single only got 28. I just assumed in my head it was much bigger than that. Uh, yeah. yeah, again. don't know. Yeah. Uh, ja Wobbles, Invaders of the Heart, uh, released Becoming More Like God, which is a really good tune. I really like that. Ride released Birdman, which was kind of the, the first thing they'd done, which mm-hmm. was sounded different to you know, the shoegazy ride, and it was sure. a bit of a weird one for people. Uh, Soundgarden released The Day I Tried to Live, mm-hmm. only got to 42. Salad released the On a Leash EP, um, so we're seeing that kind of... On a Leaf EP, more hey, like. Hey, like it, like it. Uh, and one that I was going to play to you, but I couldn't find it on Spotify, so I couldn't be arsed looking it up anywhere else, is Khalifs with Vibe to Joint. Oh, man, I've had, I've had Khalifs, Khalifs I've seen live. But yeah, it's not on Spotify, so... 
I can't play. I will, uh, you you may well have got that. In fact, let's say that you, you did get that and you get the points. Fair enough. But those are your singles for this week. Loads of kind of different stuff. The top ten is as generic as ever yeah. at, at, for this time of the year, it turns out. But yeah, lots of other stuff coming through and some other bits that we will have to talk about at length on other shows. Fair fucks, man. But right. let's do the very end bits of... Pink Floyd, I guess. Uh, yeah. Fuck it, we're here. Uh, we might as well. Okay, come on then. Track number... Where are we? We're on track number nine. Yeah. Which is Keep Talking. And this was part of a double A-side single. There were at least two singles off the album. One was... Uh, the one we just talked about, Take It Back, and then they released one which is a double A, and this was one of them. This was the, like the AA side. So this is this is um, obviously we're back into this ambient soundscapey mm-hmm. guitars, mm-hmm. and what we're coming up is uh, a, a sample of Stephen Hawking. Yes, talking about communication. Yes, and it was taken from a, from a BT advert. Yes, and Dave Gilmore heard it, and he said a phrase. That the second he said the phrase, he should have gone. This isn't a good, good thing. Uh huh. He went. It's the most moving piece of advertising I've ever seen. Yeah. Yep. Are you fucking mad? Uh, I mean, it, you know, who keeps track of these things for a start? Yeah, but yeah. also to admit that to anyone. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's yeah. apparently he cried. Mate, have, have you, if you've done a lot of cocaine, <laughs> you, you will fucking cry at a fucking at an Andrex advert. Right, yeah, but he was so moved by the BT ad with Stephen Hawking talking about, you know, it's good to talk. Again, look. That he cried. This is just another fucking plodder. Unless you're really excited for more self-indulgent Gilmore solos, mm-hmm. it's a total bust, this one, again. I don't mind the guitars on this. You see, oh, I think take take hell. Hawking off, because I think that's yeah. stupid. I think yeah. that's pointless. But no, I think this is all right. I, I, in, again, we're comparing it to the other songs on this album. I I see, but I, I think this one's okay. Uh, the, apparently, he said that the theme of the whole album is about communication. It's supposed to be about, it, you know, we can just sort everything out if we just talk to each other more. That sort of thing. This is, you know, one of the more direct proponents of that. In this but, song. But, but bizarrely, this album speaks to me in no way, shape, <laughs> yeah, or form. Yeah, sure. It's like, what a fucking ridiculous fucking thing to say when you've got this enormous fucking audience and yet you say fuck all. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I. I get what you're saying. I don't mind this. I think this one's all right. Uh, even the backing vocals don't distract me as much as they do on, the, on some of the other songs. I, I know. I, I think that gimmicky call and response that's built into the lyric mm. really irritates me. It's, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's like, you know what I mean? It's, it, it's a conceit from a musical. It's like a... Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, it, it's... You know, uh, it's like something from Jesus Christ Superstar, but yeah. done poorly. Oh, indeed. Yeah, no, I wish this was as good as anything on yeah. Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah. But no, the Stephen Hawking bits, I just, I think that's a terrible idea. That whittly guitar. That's that's classic Floyd. That's 70s Floyd to me. This is sounding like what I imagine Pink Floyd to sound like. I I, I think this is all right. Uh, I don't mind it. Um, Agree to disagree. That's fine with me. Um, I will tell you, it doesn't need to be six minutes long. Of course it doesn't. No, there's no no need for it. I'm not mental, uh, but no, I think that's okay. Um... Should we just skip to track 10 then? Let's do it. Lost for words. Lost for words. 
This is the only track to be marked as explicit on the whole album. Well. Indeed. Yeah, I mean, because it's got the word fuck in it once. Yes, just once, yeah. (laughs) So, obviously, this is called Lost for Words, Uh and this is a track that's got multiple interpretations. Mm -hmm. But obviously, it's, it's got that kind of... It's quite clearly about Roger Waters in some way, shape, or form. Sure, right? yeah. So it gives it that little diss track frisson of interest, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's kind of almost like he is writing a song which is ostensibly about forgiveness and mm-hmm. wanting forgiveness from both sides, mm. but there's a barb to so many bits that he's saying. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it feels, you know, it's open to interpretation, but it feels like quite clearly, you know, the whole idea, lost for words, mm-hmm. is. It's almost um, a, an admission that without Roger Waters' words, the band misses something. There's an element that's not there. Yeah, yeah sure. And obviously, there's the like the second verse, which is you know, open my arms to, to my enemies and mm-hmm. get told to fuck off, essentially. Yes. Where which is about the fact that you know, they, it, because they're quite aware this was probably going to be their last studio album which to all intents and purposes it was it, yeah exactly they did do one more album after this in what 2014 or something yeah. but it was made up from kind of outtakes and yeah. stuff from and it was, this session yeah and it was kind of like an epitaph to Richard Wright who yeah, passed away exactly yeah Nick Mason was involved so anyway but um, but you know it, so it's I don't know man it's I, I think, uh, I think if you set out to make the point that Pink Floyd without Roger Waters is a little bit toothless mm. and a little bit meandering, mm-hmm. then I mean this album kind of stands. Yeah, it's, it's a, a monument to, to it. that. Yeah, um, I, there's not much to it, is there? It's kind of it's it's, it's pleasant enough, but it, again, it's. In that kind of dire yeah. straitsy kind of, I've got the, the vocals remind me of Mark Knopfler doing a Bob Dylan impression. Yeah, very much there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what it sounds like to me. Mm. Um, and it, yeah, it's it's a straightforward kind of acoustic track, um, like you say about him maybe trying to give an olive branch but being told to fuck off. And yeah, that's all right. It's not the worst thing I've ever heard, but I'll forget this as soon as it's done. Oh yeah. You know, it, it, at no point does it break into a song where I'm like, oh, there's the tune. I mean, it's not No Vaseline by Ice Cube, is it? <laughs> In terms of just fucking diss tracks, no. Uh, you know, it's five minutes long. There's a lot of wishy-washiness going on. Yeah. Nah, it's like, uh, oh, this is okay. Uh, yeah, it does have uh, the line, but they tell me to please go fuck myself, which is essentially him going, he, I did try with Roger Waters and yeah. he told me to fuck off. And... Whenever I was listening again, it's it did stand out because there's no swearing on this album, yeah. and apparently in the entire Floyd oeuvre, there's hardly any swearing, yeah. and so it is. A, it's a thing where you go, oh, oh Christ, he must be a little bit pissed off, you know, that he's actually said the word fucking a song, and so there, there's that little frisson as well. But no. but there's that there's that thing in the middle where it's like the undisputed winner is. Right, that's almost yeah, like a like, knocker by a knocker. Yeah, because yeah. you know, because Pink Floyd are having a, a platinum record and selling, being number one for four weeks, and Roger Waters is mm. well, not. No, he's floundering. His his solo stuff in the eighties, no one bought. No, nah. no, and you know he's not doing anything at this point. There it is. Yeah, no, indeed. So there is, there's a gloating perhaps as well. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Whatever. Nah, can't be arsed with that. Nah. Last song then. 
So, yeah, last one's called High Hopes. Right. And this was the other side of the double A side single. Yeah. So this was a single as well. Yeah. <sighs> so it started with these bells. Yeah. I now, guess it's called the Division Bell. You've got to have a bell at some point. Mm-hmm. That's only fair. And the name, of course, came from uh, dearly departed Douglas Adams. Yes, yes, indeed. It turns out that they were looking around trying to decide what it was called. And there's a lyric in this song where he says the Division Bell. Yeah. And Douglas Adams goes, that's, that should be it. That's, that's your title. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, fine. Yeah, to be honest, if Douglas Adams told me anything, you should do that. I'd be like, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. Also, why, why aren't you dead anymore? So now this one, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this one's interesting in that obviously this is kind of quite loaded with a bit of ennui and nostalgia in this. Very much. This so. is very much a band looking back at what's past and being aware that the the best is behind them mm-hmm. and the end is kind of near. Because, like we you've said, this was probably going to be their last album they yeah, thought yeah. this was it yeah. they weren't going to do any more after it yeah. so th- so to put this as the last song on the last album this is kind of their swan song yeah and there's a portent and there's a pomp in it I mean it's not like it's not exactly the show will go on by Queen nah, but it's wow. got but it's in that yeah, yeah, uh, yeah and this is the first track that really like this first part of this track at least mm-hmm. kind of connected with me on a bit of an emotional level it's okay. like, I was like it, the music and the lyrics gave me a feel and I felt something okay sure right there wasn't boredom and you know and that's 11 tracks in yeah oh, 11 tracks so on. I quite certainly like the start of it but you know yeah, and I like that yeah but it goes up screen, uh, it goes up and it's it's nice mm-hmm. it's overblown it's too long loses right. its way in the middle of, and kind of just meanders out I think sure but certainly this first part of the song I'm like oh, I mean, this, this song is like eight minutes long yeah yeah. but I got you know I, this first part of this is a high point on the record for me I, I mean I am an absolute sucker for a miserable song talking about how stuff used to be better yeah. I love that shit yeah. um, and so it is it's you know looking back going then there are like very specific references to the band before they were famous and before yeah. they were millionaires and when they were all just mates in a van going up and down the country. This sort of stuff, you know. And apparently there are lyrics in it which hark back to very specific songs. And I'm yeah. not enough of a, a fan yeah, to know yeah, what they are. Yeah. The only one that I saw was um, the very last words of the song are "The Endless River Forever and Ever," yeah. which it references the lines uh, from. Sid Barrett on CMD Play where he goes float on a river forever and ever so that that is a very deliberate thing that they've done they're kind of closing the circle yeah. going back to, to Sid and the tribute to him but there, there are bits in here which are apparently you know little bits of tributes to, to Roger Waters and all the stuff they've done up until this point yeah. and I do I like that idea and this is the and you know, we talked about this at the front you know knowing this is going to be the last record it's like this feels what like this is what the whole record should have been. Mm-hmm. All right, yep. Yeah. It could have been more than It could have been, a, you know, in the same way that like Black Star by Bowie is right, this yeah. fucking beautiful, just poignant fucking end cap of his. Yeah, mm. this could have been that almost. Yeah, but instead we got, we you got know, a lot fucking, fucking wishy washy. Yeah, horses. yeah, we got a lot of fucking yeah. trebly guitars. Yeah. This yeah, this is fine. This is I like this. I think this is nice. Um, I'm surprised it was a single. I don't know yeah. why. Who's going to play this? 
This isn't going to get in on any radio, but whatever. It's fine. It goes on for a long time, but it, it ties up loose ends, I guess. Yeah. Uh, it does the thing. I suspect for Pink Floyd fans, this was probably wonderful. Mm. You know, this is probably like, oh, you've, you've done everything I wanted. This is the final chapter in the series, yeah. and you've answered all the questions or whatever, you know? Yeah, this is, this is, this is uh, watching a Marvel movie and seeing something in the background. Right. Oh, oh I know what he's talking about there. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. And, and there are nice bits. There are nice bits to it, but it's a little bit overlong, yeah, and not quite as hooky as I'd like it to be. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, but you know, there, fuck it. There you go. There's, that's the last bit. And yeah, and it, you know, I mean, it, yeah, it just kind of peters out there, doesn't it? As it, well, yeah, it does. I mean, that's kind of what they do. I think there's a lot of fade outs yeah. on this. There's no, no, very few actual endings. It all just goes into one <sighs> long bit. Right, but there you go. Okay, so that's Pink Floyd's Division Bell. Okay, I guess we should have a look at Twitter. Oh, yes, indeed. We'll see what people said. We sent this out, uh, well, you say we did, you did, uh, <laughs> on Twitter um, and asked people what they thought about it. Uh, Bradders77, or 771. Uh, I didn't get into Floyd until the 2000s and only heard this about five years ago. Sounds like exactly like what it is, a uh, Floyd album without a key component. Mm. Musically, I can't fault it. Fucking I can. Uh, <laughs> but it's missing the otherness you get on the classic Floyd albums, courtesy of Roger Waters. Okay. That sounds a bit more positive than, than I'm feeling about it. Well, sure. Honest, but, it's, but it's fucking fair play. I, mean, I guess maybe if you didn't get into Floyd, until, but if you actually probably did get into Floyd at some point, because I'm not, you know, so I'm not coming from that sort yeah, of yeah, fanboy yeah, yeah. thing. Perhaps if, you, if I were, I would give this more of a pass or I would get more out of it because I was hearing other stuff. Sure. But I, I'm not, so I, I didn't. Uh, we got Walker Tate, Easy Walker. Uh, he said, when this came out, my stepfather said I'd probably like Pink Floyd. He was right, though I didn't get into them for another few years, and they're still one of my faves. Uh, that run of metal through the wall is unparalleled. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe that, that is the classic period you're looking at. Um, by the wall, Roger Waters' self-righteous and self-pitying lyrics had gotten pretty old, but without his wounded rat energy, nice phrase, yeah. Dave Gilmore's soaring guitar solos sound more masturbatory rather than cathartic, so I have a hard time getting excited about any Floyd past TFC. That's a, a more of an in-depth opinion, indeed, and that, that's I've more got. than I know. Uh, yeah, but I get your point. Uh, you know, that's the second person in a row to say the fact that it's missing Roger Waters means that there's an element that is not. Yeah, there. and I, and I think the uh, the soaring guitar solo sounding masturbatory. Rather than <laughs> yeah. I think there's, I think there's a very I think that's a very strong. Yeah, well, that, I suppose that's what happens if Gilmore is the main songwriter now, and he's just let to do whatever yeah. he wants. Yeah, sure. So, Stephen, uh, for True Cut Pop, uh, I remember this being released and really wanting to like it, even though they were so deeply uncool at the time, because I'd recently been exposed to Dark Side and The Wall for the first time and loved them so much. Mm-hmm. I tried to pretend it was good for a while. It's not. <laughs> I uh, eventually had to admit that all my sneering alt-rock mates were right. This wasn't a patch on the classic. In retrospect, now being aware of the context, it was daft to even think for a second they'd make something comparable. Not an awful album, maybe worse, a pointless one. Ooh, that's that's a, a biting comment. Oh, that look is, at that, yeah. mate. Look at that pith. Pointless, yeah. Now, fair to fair that again, this is, we've had three people who are Floyd fans yeah. going, this one was a letdown. And it's just not great. And the next comment, someone there, Pink Lloyd, right. <laughs> Pink Lloyd. All right, it's our mate Lloyd. Uh, he says, I remember listening to this a fair bit in college because I was involved in a production of The Wall. Having then done a deep dive into Floyd after this, it's easy to see that post-Waters, Floyd really lost their bite and the edge that Roger gave them. There are some moments of this album I do like. Coming Back to Life has a lovely intro, even if it's then spoiled when the rather insipid beat comes in. Keep talking, and A Great Day for Freedom are good, but High Hopes is probably the best song on the album. 
Oh, well, High Hopes is that last one, so you know he's agreeing that. Ultimately, though, I quickly came to the realisation pretty quickly that there's nothing good on this album that isn't on the vastly superior live album Pulse and stopped listening to it. And I, I did see a couple of people mentioning Pulse as yeah. a, a better version. And I looked, because I, I knew it was a live album, and I looked up what on it, and it's two CDs. And the first CD is a lot of stuff from this album. You know, there's like five or six songs from Division Bell on there. And then the second album, second CD, is kind of the, more of the big classics. I do see a lot of people saying that the live versions are superior. I didn't really check them out. I listened no, to I a couple of them, but I will take your word for it. Horsemeat UK, I was going through a major Pink Floyd phase when this came out and forced myself to like it. You know, you must have made some effort. <laughs> uh, there are some good songs like High Hopes, but it's just too clean and slick in the production has aged terribly. I don't think I would ever choose to listen to it. Right. I didn't either, and well, no. yet here we are. Yeah, Thank now, you for your feedback, though. That's another, like some, someone saying they went through a big Pink Floyd phase, a big fan, but this was not the album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Stephen McDade uh, this came out towards the end of my first year at uni I bought it on cassette from the local corner shop of all places this and censors stacked up was a soundtrack to what we were up to when we should have been studying I mean that's two very different sides of a coin there censors stacked up and this I mean Christ yeah that, there, there's, there's a big difference between those two between yeah, good and evil yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah, Gazman. Uh, I'm sure the members, main members of Pink Floyd, were probably far more content without Roger's presence. Maybe that's the problem, though. Well, uh, there we go. Yeah, again, that that's a up. fair point. Uh, and then Jerry M says, as a whole, it's dull as fuck with the odd track or two that's decent. But for the most part, it sounds like what it is, music made by cunts with Bentleys. There you go. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I'm going to echo most of those comments. I mean, I, I kind of really took against this record. I found mm-hmm. it dull as fucking mm-hmm. shit. Uh, I did not care for it at all. And, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's the first time in the Twitter comments, I think, as well, that there's not one person has come out in defence and well, said, no, this is a really good album. I didn't like this. I didn't really get much out from it. No. Like, no. There's, there's nothing on this that I will go back to. Okay, well, we're at the uh, place where we've got to choose a song, rather, to go onto our playlist. Yeah, if you're new to the podcast, we've been away for a while, we have a playlist which will be uh, linked in the show mm-hmm. notes. Uh, we choose one song from every album that we do. It's, it's a minimum of one. It's a maximum of three. Uh, I mean, I think this is going to be a one, isn't this it? This is going to be a one. This is going to be a Absolutely one. Absolutely, it's going to be a one. Uh, what, what have you got, mate? What, what are your um, I didn't mind track number two, What Do You Want From Me? Mm. Uh, I also didn't mind Take It Back, which is the one that was a bit like the U2 guitar-y one. And I was okay with Keep Talking as well, which was the Stephen Hawking one. Oh, no. Uh, I've got... What, what about you? Wearing the Inside Out, I didn't mind. Mm. I thought I thought that was okay. I mean... Is that kind of it? Take It Back, I get, it, it annoys me because of the environmental message. Yeah. But... If we need to find something to agree, and I can, I can compromise. On right. That. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's probably between that then and wearing the inside out because I thought it was all right, but it's like seven minutes long. And yeah, I but mean, then let's take it back. Six minutes long. I yeah. mean, let's go with the short one. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> Fine. That's literally that's my criteria. <laughs> right. So take it back. There it is. It's done. Done right, and, and uh, this is not a, a evisceration of Pink Floyd. I'm sure I, you know. I'm, no. uh, I'm almost more tempted to go back and listen to See, classic Floyd to kind of like you know cleanse to, the palate. Exactly. I am. I was the same. I was like, I'm obviously 
missing something because they are a huge group for so many people. Mm-hmm. And this is like not Pink Floyd. This isn't proper Pink Floyd. So I should try more with the other yeah, ones. Yeah, yeah. I, I listened recently um, to, um, what's that first album called? Piper at the Gates of Dawn. Yeah. Uh, I listened to that recently. Um, and, you know, for a really annoying reason, I was uh, given a load of records from someone to try and sell for them. And they had a first edition of Pink Floyd's Piper Fuck. at the Rise of Dawn with possibly a a misprint or something on it. Something anyway that was on the label like this is fucking rare. Right. And it in you know in really good condition was a grand and a half or two grand's worth of record. Yeah. It scratched to absolute fuck and there's no cover. Oh. Right. Um, and so I was listening through it going how badly is this scratched? Because it's crackly as all hell, but then it also does jump. It skips to like all over the place. So anyway, I listened to what I could of that, and it's a good record. It's really spacey and out there. So I was like, oh, well, I should try more Pink Floyd. And I think I then put on Relics, which is like a best of. No, that's, yeah. oh, that's good shit on that. But I should try more maybe with some of the, yeah. the big albums. I mean, surely you can still sell the packaging. Well, no, there's no sleeve. At oh. all. It's just the record. Ah, okay. It's just right, the vinyl. Right, right. I'm with you. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Sorry. And there might be someone who who would want for, I don't know, 100 quid, who'd want the the record with that on it, that particular version, yeah. but you can't play it at all. Oh, yeah, it's such a shame. Right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Yes, uh, yes, yes. will be less time, I think, until the next one. Yes, indeed. Well, we... you say that. I bet you want to put it off because uh, it's park life. I mean, it I, is Blur's part. I'm, re- I'm ready, man. I'm ready. Good. I'm ready to go. I'm, I'm fucking. I reckon. I'm reckon. I'm going to alienate half our late. Uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, got I your can, fighting pants on with that one. Oh, I'm sure. I'll be, yeah. I'm sure I'll be forced to swallow some words. I don't. Know. I reckon you will. I reckon you'll be like, oh, this is all right somewhere. Oh, somewhere in there, you'll be like that. Yeah, we'll oh, yeah. see. Anyway, that's that's upcoming. All right, so yeah, we'll be back with Blur's Park Life in not too distant future. Thank you ev- everyone for joining us as always. Uh, thank you for your comments on the two specials that we put out. Um, mm. Sorry it's been so long. We'll be back with you real fucking soon, though. People, take it easy. Cheers, bye. Thank you for checking out this episode of Pop Collaborate and Listen. It was produced and edited by us, for which we can only apologise. We're on Twitter, at PCL Podcast, on Instagram, also at PCL Podcast, and Facebook.com slash PCL Podcast. All of these, plus links to our various Spotify playlists, etc., are on our website, which is PCLPodcast.com. Please feel free to get in contact via any of the social media or on PCL Music Podcast at gmail.com.